Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 27th, 2016. I am back and I'm going to be talking some fantasy football and just some football in general, recapping week three of the NFL season. And again, we have one of the greatest co hosts you could ever find on the planet to come back to the podcast. Shaka is back. Shaka, how are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, I think that's a little exaggerated, but I'll take it. Dude, I'm going to exaggerate till the end of time about how awesome <laughs> I think you are, man. So, You're as a gentleman of Oh, it's my pleasure. As everyone knows, I'm Sam Rosenberg, a.k.a. the Fantasy Buddha, a.k.a. the Fantasy Football Buddha, a.k.a. call me or text me at any given time with any fantasy question you may have under the sun. It will be my honor to respond to you. Um... We got to break down week three, and Shaka, let's, this is what I want to do. Let's start on a positive note. Let's talk about my Philadelphia Eagles. It's about as positive as you can get. Dude, Philadelphia Eagles stomping, stomping on the heavily favored Pittsburgh Steelers 34-3. to Shaka, can I get your first takes on this game? Well, first off, uh, hey, Carson Wentz, good job, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know you had it in you. He's legit. Um, and you know what? The, I think the kids arrived. You, I'm, I'm so glad that the uh, the coaching staff really doesn't try to put him in a position to make too many uh, superstar plays. He doesn't have to be Ben Roethlisberger on no. the team. He just has to make the smart throws. And you know what? He's got the accuracy, he's got the vision, the timing, and he doesn't panic. He looks so composed, which is the best part. Mm-hmm. You give him a job, he does it, and he can thread the needle. Mm-hmm. He made some great plays in the game. He didn't do anything crazy. And I, I think the, the best example of the maturity of Carson Wentz is this one breakdown of the pocket. And he scrambles to the outside, and he throws this tiny little rinky-dink pass to Darren Strolls, mm-hmm. which is Busts it wide open for a touchdown. But, I mean, you know, it's just a smart play. He doesn't risk throwing a football away. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's thrown an interception yet. That is correct. He has not thrown an interception in his NFL career. That's fantastic. I mean, it's just a smart guy. Don't try to force it. I mean, we can talk about some other quarterbacks this week who made some really, really awful decisions with the football. But you got a rookie doing you know, veteran things out here on the football field. So, I mean, you got a lot to be excited about. I'm just, to see this guy look as composed as he has, and as you really uh, said it, and I'm going to echo this, the coaching staff creating a game plan and a scheme that is putting Carson Wentz in a position to succeed, putting him in a position where he it is not being demanded of him to carry the whole offense on his back. He's being put in a position where he can make throws, he can check it down, and then, you know, he's being showcased to make critical decisions. And in those moments, he performs rather well. He's, he had that fantastic touchdown pass to Darren Sproles. And like you said, it was just sort of a nothing thing where he had to put the ball in the exact right spot. Not to mention, the past two games, he has had long 40-yard touchdown passes to Jordan Matthews, where Jordan Matthews just didn't catch the ball. I mean, if he catches right. the ball, all of a sudden, that's a big, long touchdown that you add to his stats. It's just, you know, you and I have been watching football long enough to know when you see a quarterback who's in there, and whether he's a rookie or a young quarterback, someone who is just essentially not ready for prime time, you can kind of see it right with the eye test. And I'm telling you right now, this eye test is telling me Carson Wentz looks 
I mean, he doesn't look like a rookie. He looks like a second or third year starting quarterback who's trying to figure out his way. And right now, it's looking pretty good. Hey, man, shout out to Doug Peterson for some uh, some some great calls there. And also, let's not let's not downplay or forget the, uh, the Eagles defense. Eagles man. defense, holy, man! Holy cow! Holy cow! I mean, you, 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 the Steelers. You got you got one of the best quarterbacks the last decade. Yes. Maybe the best wide receiver in the last three seasons. Yes. He is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the last three years in the NFL. And you've got a pretty good team around him. And D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams has been leading running backs in fantasy points, and the Eagles D shut him down, too. They got a field goal this game. A field goal. I mean, just magical. And this Eagles, and it's just exciting to see, listen... I know Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz are not innovative. I know they're not Chip Kelly. They're not this high-flying offense. They come from a little bit more of a traditional school of of football coaching. But damn it if it's not working. There's a lot of other teams out there that have some pretty traditional coaches, and they pretty much just need to put their team in a position to win. Jim Schwartz is doing that with his Eagles D. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich are doing that with the offense, and it's a beautiful thing to see because now – Instead of everybody saying, hey, Carson Wentz is a bit of a fluke after he beat the Cleveland Browns in week one, now they, they embarrass the Pitts, the heavily favored Pittsburgh Steelers. Now everyone's starting to say, oh, shit, we really we got to go pick this guy up on the waiver wire. Because now, I think you'll agree with me, Shaka, Carson Wentz is a pickup on the waiver wire. Do you agree? I mean, he's not going to lose you any uh, fantasy points throwing any exceptions. That much we've known so far. Uh, I I mean, my goodness, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the kid right now. And I'm loving, you know, he's he's had a really, this is a really great litmus test for Steelers. It's going to steal the defense. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he did have some moments in the pocket where he had to scramble and the pocket broke down. But he did not panic. No. You know, sometimes you got to take the sack. Sometimes you got to throw it away. Just make smart plays. Keep, you know, keep the momentum going, and he did a great job. So, yes, I definitely think he is a fantasy option now if you need a quarterback. And we've got a couple injuries, so I think you should give him a good look. Uh, I, let's let's dig a little deeper into the – because I want to move on from this game soon because we got a lot of – there was a lot of craziness this weekend. Um, There's not much to say the Steelers then either. So yeah. If you're an Antonio Brown keeper, you keep him going. He's exactly. give you points no matter what. I mean, he was fantastic even in the loss. Like, you know, uh, I think Antonio Brown got more than twice the targets than the than the second receiver with the most targets on the team. I mean, Antonio Brown had something like 12 or 14 catches and over 100 yards. I mean, it was an abysmal game for the Steelers' offense, but he's Antonio Brown. You're going to keep him. Roethlisberger's still going to do what he does. D'Angelo Williams, as miraculous as he's been, he's going right back to the bench because Levy and Bell's taking the job back. The thing I really want to, I want to discuss just real quick before we move on is the Eagles running back situation. Now, Ryan Matthews, Clearly, you know, there was some suspicion that he had a bit of an ankle injury or something, but whether he was injured or not, the Eagles running backs are clearly into a committee situation. Even before we saw what happened this past Sunday where Darren Sproles got more touches than Ryan Matthews, you started to see a split between Matthews and Sproles in week one and two. And now Sproles got more action. Kenyon Barner came into the game, got some touches. And really, the rookie, Wendell Smallwood, came in. And, you know, granted, the game was sort of out of reach at this point, but they gave him a lot of touches. Do you think any of these running backs are worth picking up on your fantasy team, Shaka? 
Well, this one was a rough one for me because I do have Ryan Matthews as one of my running backs, and he absolutely just dude. He dropped he laid a, an egg. He dropped the donut. He laid an egg for me. He laid, he laid an egg for me this weekend. So I I'm definitely going to be looking at the waiver wire. Obviously, now it, it's it was a suspicion last week, but I'm going to say it's pretty much a certainty this week that the Eagles offensive coordinators love Darren Sproles. They love incorporating him into the offense, yep. and I'm I'm pretty sure he's. He bought his uh, his way onto at least a few more looks next week. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I think Darren Sproles is definitely a viable option. I don't know if Ryan Matthews is injured, and I mean that maybe that injury is a little bit worse than it was let on because last week he got a lot of red zone looks. He had two touchdowns last week, mm-hmm. and this week he got nothing. He he was an afterthought at this point in the offense. Kenyon Barner I think had a touchdown too. Yeah, he did. At this point, uh, Matthews seems to be an afterthought. I think he's injured, but if you've got him on your team, you should definitely. Keep an eye on his uh, injury status for the week because it might be worse than their uh, coaching staff is letting on. But no, definitely uh, keep an eye on uh, our buddy here, Darren Sproles, this week. Darren Sproles, man, never goes away. The guy is just delicious. He's still making himself worthwhile, even as he gets older in this league. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, I I, I want to give so now we got to go to your team, the Jets. So we started yeah, on the yeah. high note. Let's go. Right. I, I kind of want to start this show off now with the Eagles and the Jets every week. If that's that just feels appropriate, you and I, it's our teams. It's what we should do. Um, uh, do you, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, okay, so the Jets and the Chiefs, man. Um, uh, I'm a little speechless. Do you want me to start talking, or do you want to share your thoughts on the nightmare that was that game? Uh, okay, I'm trying to get my composition together here. It's okay. Let's, it's okay. Let's, let's take note. The Kansas City Chiefs have a really, really good defense. Yes, they do. That's a fact. That's a given fact. We knew the Jets had a rough schedule coming into the year. Yes, we That's did. That's a fact. What we did not really know, or at least I didn't hope for, was that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be such a mess at quarterback right now for oh. the Jets. You know, he spent the entire offseason fighting with the, the, co- the management, trying to justify, you know, him getting a big contract. He thought he was the, the team leader. He deserved that money. And to some degree, last year, his best offensive year, he had a, he had a valid argument. Mm-hmm. But I think deep down, management knows his track record. 14-year journeyman quarterback. He hasn't really ever anchored in one spot. He's never really locked down a quarterback position. And I think maybe being with the Jets was his one chance to have that kind of viability. Mm-hmm. And he goes out today, or he goes out this weekend and absolutely throws Six interceptions, which pretty much is going to put him in a tailspin. No matter how this season pans out for the Jets, no one's going to forget this game. This is always going to be a reminder because he only has a one-year deal. So this pretty much puts his his uh, tenure at the Jets quarterback uh, spot. It's in question now. I think this is the exact reason why management was so hesitant to give him the contract length and the money that he wanted because Ryan Fitzpatrick has a track record of doing this. He has track records of performing well, stepping up in a big game, but then also having these huge, terrible, blunderous games where the entire failure of the team can pretty much be hoisted on the shoulders of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had this shot in Buffalo when they gave him a contract, and as soon as he signed the contract, he went down the toilet, and within a season, they cut him off the team. I... I, do you trust it's him hard, next man. week? Like, can you trust him going into the next week? They're playing the Seahawks next week. And it's just, I feel Francis Patrick, even after the game, press conference, 
you know, he, he says that going into the games after this, he doesn't think about, man, I really blew it this week. I ran like through so many interceptions. He, he kind of gets his composure back. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful that, the one, that the Jets kind of rethink maybe the offensive uh, setup. Two, it looks like they're trying to shore up the offense a little bit. They picked up a Tampa Bay tight end, Austin Sarian Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost immediately after he got released for a DUI. Was it a DUI? I think it was a DUI. It was, I believe, his second DUI this year. Which is, is also crazy. I mean, what a pickup because the guy's a great tight end. I think maybe underutilized in Tampa Bay. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they incorporate him into the offense once he gets a rhythm. I really think, I really hope that he gets it together because the Seahawks' defense is also not a joke. They're a little, they're, the team's a little beat up right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think this is an opportunity once the Jets maybe kind of get the wheels back on because they're completely gone right now. There's things on the side of the road. Now, <laughs> now I don't have any issues with Forte. I still think he's a legitimate uh, running back. Now, what about Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall? Now, I think they both suffered from Ryan Fitzpatrick's terrible throwing game, but, I mean, are you sort of worried about their production at all? Both of them kind of, you know, they listen, they put up some... Decker had one catch for 31 yards. Marshall had a couple of catches. The real story is Quincy Anunwa was still productive, even with all that terrible passing oh, by Fitzpatrick. Anunwa was great. Anunwa. I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about the offensive course for uh, the Jets. I think, really, again, it really came out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. They had a couple of red zone looks. Brandon Marshall had a, a couple good red zone looks, and they just, they just, uh, I, the best word I can think of, they just pissed it away when Fitzpatrick threw those interceptions. There were a couple, there were a couple tips passes to his defense, but the rest sometimes, it, you know, especially in the fourth quarter, there were a few drives that the interception just absolutely killed the momentum. They yeah. could have gotten the ball downfield, but it just really, it just took the wind out of their sails. They yeah. never really had a chance to to kind of fight their way back into this. Dude, everything in that game was going against the Jets. Um, what about the Chiefs? Anything to sort of take away from this Chiefs, win, uh, this Chiefs win? I think Travis Kelsey got his first touchdown. Spencer Ware is still the guy to have in the backfield. I, I don't know. Do you have any idea how soon Jamal Charles is coming back? Have you heard anything? Well, he was doubtful this week on the injury report. So mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to, if they don't have him down, it's doubtful probable for next week. It, it doesn't look like it's clear-cut right now. I think they're kind of they kind of keeping the tarp pulled well, over this car. Yeah, but how how much faith do you have in Jamal Charles, even if he does come back next week? Well, I've got a weakness for Jamal Charles. He was when I back when I first started playing fantasy football. He was my first real like waiver wire pickup. Where I was like, man, this kid is kind of turning heads. I know Kansas City's not really a big team, but this guy just had a couple monster games, and no one's looking at him. Mm-hmm. And of course, he took over the running back position for me. So I was always had like a fondness for Jamal Charles. You got a soft spot in your heart. I understand. Uh, yeah, it's, he's my first big waiver wire pickup. I think I, I think Kansas City loves him. He's just he he's just a natural fit in that offense. And as good as Spencer has been, he just really can't compare to the kind of the quickness and the field vision that Jamal Charles gives them at running back. I think it's just a question of how good is that knee. I mean, the guys had so many um, uh, ligament tears right now that it's just it's hard to tell. A lot some guys don't really bounce back from that. He's done that I think three times now. He's bounced back from some knee injuries. So. The question is, can he go back on the field another time and do this again? I got a That's question. A I got a question for you. Let's say, for argument's sake, next week Jamal Charles is playing. He's let's say he's starting. If you are a Spencer Ware owner, do you start Spencer Ware? I think I have to say you got to give him one more shot, just because I would fa- I would figure that they would try to ease him back into the offense. They wouldn't give him a full workload. They'd ease him back into the offense 
and it probably lets Spencer Ware still be the kind of workhorse mm-hmm. gets at least 20 touches in the offense. So I'd say you can stick with Spencer Ware okay. for the week. Okay. All right. Um, the Chiefs defense, uh, listen, defenses fantastic. are they're fantastic. You know, they've, they've, Marcus Peters is probably one of the dude. best corners, if not the best corner. He's making a name for himself right now. He's making the argument that he might be the best corner. In the league right now. Now, from a fantasy perspective, they were, you know, they were they were decent the first couple of weeks. They didn't really put up much fantasy production, and then they explode this week. Do you think they're going to be a high-producing fantasy football defense, the Chiefs' team? I'm afraid to use the word high. I'd probably say better at consistent. They're definitely going to get a couple interceptions every game. They're going to give you, uh, they're going to get some pressure on on the quarterback. You might get a few fumbles. Okay. But I would say consistent at least. You'll okay. get like eight or nine points if you're in a PPR league with them. All right, I like that. I like that. Let's move on. Let's get away from the six interceptions. Let's let's uh, go past this part. In fact, never play this again. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's jump to the Thursday night game. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots showing oh, up boy. everybody and shutting out the Houston Texans with some guy at quarterback. Yeah, um, give me first reactions to this game. Oh man. I, I don't know how he does it. Every week. Every Belichick week? Just rolls, he just rolls a... I feel like these are just offsheds of other teams and like guys that are drafted from D3 football or seventh-round picks. He just he just takes these shambled men and just puts them together and he makes a football team out of them. Dude, I... I mean, LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt was unwanted in Tampa Bay of all places. Yeah. And is just a, a, just a, a freak of nature to watch coming from behind that offensive line just plowing it. I'll just give to say this. The Patriots just out-muscled. They were just way more physical than a physical Houston Texans team. Yes. They popped them every chance they got. Yes. Every time a guy caught the football, they, they made him pay for it. Mm-hmm. They just out-physical. And, I mean, just fantastic. Fantastic work. I was just completely taken aback at how much the Patriots pushed around the Texans. I mean, you can't negate the fact that the two kickoff return fumbles by the Texans. Oh my gosh! By... It was one I heard. I could hear the top when he oh, hit the receiver, the, the, the returner. It was just, just muscle. Took all of the momentum out of the Texans' game. I mean, that's the one thing you can't fully blame that on J.J. Watt or Brock Osweiler. I mean, that was just a couple of punt return, kickoff return guys who had two horrible, horrible fumbles. However, when the Texans got out on the field, Brock Osweiler, you know. They were daring him to throw the ball, and he was checking it down, and it really got into a situation where I feel like Belichick schemed and game-planned against Osweiler, and it worked pretty well. And then, you know, you got into a situation where, uh, you know, the, the, the special teams guys were turning the ball over, and before you knew it, they, were, they had a commanding lead, and Jacoby Brissett didn't even need to really do much. I mean, Jacoby Brissett... He made a few poor decisions. There was a few passes where there were guys open for touchdowns that he didn't throw the ball to. But that touchdown where he just broke out of the pocket and ran for 20 yards, this is a Houston Texans defense. That's inexcusable. What the hell are you doing? Well, give the kids some credit. That was pure talent on that run. I mean, that was a great run, and he, he gave it everything he had. Right at the end, he almost got tackled. He just to sacrifice his body, which I think is why he's injured now, probably in that run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you got to give him a little bit of credit. And again, you know, another coach who doesn't put a rookie quarterback in positions where he's going to fail, he gave him some really nice short passes to complete. They really yep. just had to get the first down and keep the, move, keep the football moving, keep the chains moving, get the ball to Garrett Blunt. Just really just pounded it. 
pounded into the defense, it really broke them down. I think at that point, by the time Jacoby Brissett ran that football in, I'm sure the, the defense was probably a little bit gassed because there were a, a bunch of gaps he could have run in at that point. So I'll, I'll give him credit. The offensive line really gave him time to make decisions, but he didn't have to make any complicated throws out there. Now, uh, two questions. Uh, number one, does Jacoby Brissett play this week? Does he start this weekend against the Bills? And number two, is LeGarrette Blunt like a top five start this week in fantasy against the Bills? What do you think? I think so. I think the Patriots uh, quarterback situation is so platoon. And Jacoby Brissett, I think he tore a ligament in his thumb. Mm-hmm. So it's still in question. I, and the Bills defense, to their credit, did great this week. But we're probably going to have to look at a situation where LeGarrette Blunt, of all people, is going to have to be the man who takes the Patriots offense on his shoulders. Mm-hmm and carries them to victory. He's mm-hmm. going to get the football at least 25 times. He's just that kind of running back who gets... He can take a bunch of touches, he can give you some production, and he's not going to get beat up. He's not going to get too hurt. Mm-hmm. So I think you really look at LeGarrette Blunt as the, the key to this offense coming up against the Bills. Now, uh, the last thing you're going to mention before I... Well, two things I want to say. Uh, the, the, the Texans' defense, I'm not too worried about this. I feel like they're a team that has a difficulty staying consistent. Uh, I think you can take it. You can look at last year. This was a team that I think was four and five midway through the season, and then went on a tear and won the division. Um, they definitely have issues, kind of keeping that consistency going. So I see this as I an. Think they'll bounce back. Yeah, like this is an anomaly. I think it was a short week. They're playing on. You know, it's really hard to go play at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. That's a hell of a crowd. It really is. And you know, the the Texans kind of I think got hit by that. Um, but the last thing I'll mention before we get away from this game is Gronk. So Gronkowski showed up. He played his first game of the season. And uh, I think this was a situation where I think he was a little bit of a decoy. Probably Absolutely. not not 100%. But he did get a red zone look. I just think that midway through the game, the Patriots had such a commanding lead, they didn't need to play him. It was sort of like, oh, now we really don't need this secret weapon anymore. Um, but I guess my sec- my question is, how valuable is Gronk going to be next week against the Bills? What do you think? I'd say absolutely consider him as a factor against the Bills. I would say still look at your injury chart week to week. He's probably going to need some treatment just going in, but they're going to ease him in. And I think if they were confident enough to put him in against a, a tough Texans team mm-hmm. to let him play, that he's he's on his way back uh, to being that guy. Okay. So I'd say give him a, I think give him a look. If you had Gronk, and he was starting against the Bills this Sunday. Do you start him? I would think so. I would definitely say you take every opportunity you can get. And also just bear in mind how uh, how varied that Patriots offense is. They got so many guys. They got Danny Amendola. They got Chris Hogan. They yep. got Bennett. Um, Martellus Bennett's been doing a great Martellus job. Martellus Bennett. They have, they have a lot of guys they can give the football to. So I would tell you, I mean, Gronk, I mean, Gronk having a guy of his caliber – in a red zone situation, I'm always going to be looking to throw to that guy. He just produces. He just gives it to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would say you, you can't ever write him off okay. on the field. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on to the next game. Arizona Cardinals lose on the road to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills running all over the place, and their Man, defense picking off Carson Palmer four times. Shaka, what's your first take on this game? I, I, I'm really having a hard time trying to figure out who to point the finger at. Do I really give the credit to the Bills' defense, or mm-hmm. do I look the other way and say, man, Carson Palmer with some questionable throws? There was one tip pass that I saw that I can't really factor 
Simmons as at fault, but there were a couple passes where it just looked like he did. He thought uh, the Bills player was on his team, and he threw it right at the guy. Yeah. So I, I was like, holy, holy hell, this is not good. You know, for such a prolific passer, and I, f- I think Carson Palmer is a hell of a passer, who, you know, I have him on a couple of my fantasy teams. I think he's a really great start, a guy who produces. He doesn't just, you know, he's not just consistent where he puts 250 yards up and a touchdown or two touchdowns. This is a guy who can get 300 yards, three, four touchdowns in a single game. So to see him drop a doozy and a clunker like that where he throws four picks, no touchdowns, and he threw the ball 50 times, this is like the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks all over again. Do you have any doubt? Like, do you think this is an, like, do you think he'll bounce right back and be fine next week? I'm not going to lie. I definitely had a moment where I looked at him just lining up in the pocket, and I had a flash of him in his Oakland Raiders jersey. Ooh. And it just had a reminder of, there, there are some dark moments in Carson Palmer's history. It's not all sunshine as it has been with the Cardinals. But I honestly do think he'll, he'll bounce back from this. I'm definitely, I'm sure he's going to go back and he's going to look at the tape and just go, all right, that was pretty stupid. That was pretty stupid. Don't try to force it. He's a really, it, it's rare these days to see a, a, a pocket quarterback, like just a traditional pocket quarterback like a Carson Palmer. So I think he's really going to come back and, I think the offensive coordinators are going to kind of revamp a little bit because they got so many weapons on offense. Mm-hmm. Some of those throws he did not have to make. They could no. have done something something different. You've got too much talent on that team at the wide receiver court. Yeah, and the quarterback making throws like that. I think they. I think they also were. They fell victim a little bit to this is an AFC NFC uh, matchup. These are not teams that see each other very often. This is cross coast. You're going from Phoenix to Buffalo. You, you know, I think sometimes we underrate a little bit how much of a an influence the you know the location and the time of day can be. Um, Maybe a little jarring for these guys. Yeah, apparently. you know that that was definitely tilted in the Bills' favor. Now, before I get to the Bills, let me ask you: these three wide receivers that Carson Palmer has, Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd, and John Brown. If you had to pick one of these guys that you want or that you would want to start on your team, I mean, it's it is it Fitzgerald? Is there anything else? Like, I mean, do you think any one of these guys is gonna like you know explode soon? Well, Michael Floyd last year, towards the second half of the season, really blew up. He was the guy. He, he made Larry Fitzgerald kind of like that questionable, do I play him this week or do I not? Because Michael Floyd absolutely killed the second half last uh, mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. This year, however, Larry Fitzgerald is Mr. Surehands out there in the red zone. And John Brown's really kind of been a non-factor. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's bizarre. He, he had a couple of clutch moments last year where he was just absolutely that deep threat. But this year, he's almost been non-existent on the offense. So I'm going to tell you to flip Fitzgerald if you got to make a choice. Well, the positive is that a lot of these guys are at least still getting volume. Even with Carson Palmer's interceptions, all three of them got a fair amount of work. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Bills right now. So LaShawn McCoy, you know, he doesn't need to prove himself to anyone. He's shady, and he certainly came out and showed it. He was a monster. I think a lot Absolutely. of that production was all him, just being a friggin' beast. Um, I think he's definitely right now... You know, last season it was a little difficult because he was coming to a new franchise. I think he was finding where he fit in that offense. Now, I think he's a pretty solid fit in this offense. And he's, in my opinion, he's probably the tastiest offensive player for this Buffalo Bills team with Tyrod Taylor being a second behind him. Do you think uh, Shady McCoy's like top five running back in fantasy football right now? Well, I have LaShawn McCoy on one of my fantasy teams. Bear in mind, I was a little bit hesitant coming into this week because that Cardinals defense was supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be. Yeah, supposed so to be. Little, 
it was like a last minute call where I was thinking about maybe sending him a game and playing someone else with a little bit of a more favorable matchup. I'm glad I kept him though because he absolutely tore him apart. Dude, he ripped him apart. He he did the, he had some great cuts and he absolutely shook a couple guys out of their shoes. So I'm I'm really glad I decided to keep him in. That being said, let's not forget that the offensive coordinator in Buffalo is is completely gone. JD said that it's going to be a much simpler offense uh, going forward, and it looks like I mean they're just going back to basics, getting the football in his hands and having to make plays. Do you uh, do you think this new offensive coordinator is going to also trend upward for Tyrod Taylor? Do you think his play will improve as well? Well, Tyrod Taylor had some absolute. If Tyrod Taylor was an animal, uh, I would say he's probably a horse who got out the pasture this week because he absolutely had some just. There's nothing but grass to run on. He had a couple uh, moments where the pocket broke down, and he just had so much space to run. He probably didn't know which direction to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just one of those things about him that you can't really count him down. It was one of the reasons why he was one of the uh, big surprise quarterback picks last year. So I think if the offense, if this is the way they're going, I I really see some uh, some big games coming from him. I mean, I think he had almost 100 yards rushing. Yeah, in this game this weekend. I mean, he he looked great. So he didn't, he didn't I, I throw the ball that much, but he did rush. No, it. he didn't really need to, which is great for him. I, you know, and it's always good when you have to respect the quarterback's running ability that can really open up some of the passing lanes. That so that's really agree. when Tyrod Taylor is like at his most dangerous is when you absolutely have no idea what he's going to do. I so I definitely agree. think he's trending up. Okay. Um, anything? Bills defense. Do you think this is real? All these interceptions. Like, are they worthwhile at all? Honest to goodness, I'm going to say that's hard to tell, but probably not. I okay. think it might fall back to earth after this. Okay, I like that. That sounds good. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get away. Oh, last thing, David Johnson, still a monster. Probably the only shining light on that Cardinals offense. He's still fantastic, even when they're still losing. Still had a great game. Still a monster. Um, next game, Raiders-Titans. The Raiders defeat the Titans 17-10 on the road. The Oakland Raiders with road wins. It's, I don't know, it feels like an oxymoron. Um what, uh, I didn't get to see much of this game. But yeah, I, mean, I was, saw pieces it was, of it, but I mean, like, what did, did you anything to take away from it? DeMarco Murray. DeMarco still, Murray. Still, I mean, just such a talent. Just, mm-hmm. just hang on to him because the Titans, no matter what, I don't know what they're they don't. I don't think the Titans know what they're doing on offense. But whatever it is, they should always have DeMarco Murray as a factor. Yeah. I'm a, I'm in a big situation. You know, funny how we're saying this. DeMarco Murray and Shady McCoy, both of the Eagles' former running backs, are blowing up and exploding with their new teams. Jeez, Chip Kelly, you were really on top of that one. <laughs> now, this Titans team, I, I totally agree, because I think DeMarco Murray has been a fantasy stud so far. I think he's going to continue to be a stud. He gets plenty of work running the ball, and he's in the passing game. But yes. the, Titans, the Titans wide receivers and Marcus Mariota... I don't know what to make of this yet. I haven't seen a lot of production. Do you have any particular Delaney thoughts? Delaney Walker, I think. Delaney Walker, was he injured or he threw he, a goose egg? I think. He, he, no, he he didn't play. He was a last-minute oh, scratch. Right. He they had like a hamstring. Him. And I I think I think not having Delaney Walker took a lot away from that ty- from that Tennessee team. I think he's the best receiver on that team, hands down. So, I, of course, now I realize. I, I think I know why. I was looking at someone else's fantasy roster, and Delaney Walker was scratched. Um, yeah, the Raiders though. We got to talk a little bit about the Raiders. Latavius Murray. I did see a little Latavius Murray, and you know, I'm still, I, I'm still not 100 percent sold on him, but he, he's looking a little better in my eyes. They, I think they really need to kind of give him 
a little more of a feature role in the offense. Now, I feel like he's just a competent running back. This him. is something we got to talk about because uh, Matthew Berry on ESPN's Fantasy Football Podcast has been talking a lot about how we're sort of being a little sort of duped by Latavius Murray right now because the truth is, if you look at the numbers, and I can't disagree with Matthew Berry right now, Latavius Murray is splitting carries with the rest of the backfield. And the only reason we're kind of not noticing it is because he's gotten a touchdown in three straight games. He's still getting the red zone looks, but when it comes to actually first down, second down, they're actually giving uh, Richard some looks, and they have a rookie running back. Uh, Washington. DeAndre Washington. And he's quick. He looks like he's trying to be a. He's trying to steal some uh, some carries away from those other two guys. So they have a situation going on in Oakland. It's not. It's still Latavius Murray's job to lose, but I think he really needs to have a big game where he gets some some big chunks of yardage because the, his backups are doing exactly that. Do you need to? Uh, if you want, if you could stash. One of the, like one of the Latavius Murray's off the board. If you could stash one of these other running backs that Oakland has, it, which one would you stash? I'm going to go with Rashard. He seems to have more of a big game potential in terms of he's he's quick. He's a, a one cut and burst to the the opening kind of guy. I think he he needs a. a a little more of a look. I'm, I'm more sold on him than I am on uh, Washington. I'm actually probably going to go with Washington. He seems to be a little bit more... Like, I think Richard, you're right. He's a little bit more of a one-cut, but I think he's a bit of a home-run hitter. I think if anything happens to Murray, DeAndre Washington is going to be the guy they want to try to give the, you know, the three-down bell cow, you know, workhorse job to. Um, it should be interesting to watch anyway, because it doesn't look... It's not clear-cut for sure right now. It's, no. It's rough. Uh, I don't have anything to say about their passing game. I like Derek Carr. I like Amari Cooper. I like Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree, for a number two receiver, has put up some decent numbers, and I think he's good to have. If you don't have him, I would hope he's not on any waiver wires, but he's a legitimate start, in my opinion. That guy won't quit. And you know what? I like Amari Cooper. The more more I see him, the more I like him. Yeah. And he's, 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 he's a beast. If you look at those numbers, Derek Carr is throwing him the ball a lot. He is definitely getting the volume. I, I like that offense. I think I think they still need another piece of the wide receiving core. Michael Crabtree is a great red zone option for him, though. Yes. He's just he uh, he just kind of gears up. He goes up to another just level when he's in the red zone in terms of all one on one coverage. Mm-hmm. Don't leave him one on one because he burns that guy every time. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm waiting for him to get to blow up and have like a two touchdown game. I know it's gonna happen soon. It's gonna happen. He's he's a Texas Tech guy, and they like to run the score up uh, in, in that team. So he's he's, bond, he's due for one. Dude, I remember the first time I saw Michael Crabtree was in that Texas Tech game when he had that touchdown at the very end. Kid's a freak. I, I've always liked him. I've just I've always been surprised that he isn't a bigger name than he is now. Yeah, I, I you know I what? can't believe San Francisco wrote him off when they did. Yes. They had no one either. They really didn't have a squad of receivers at the time to really... I think Ekwon Bolden was still there. Yeah. But Bolden was already under decline. So I think they should have just transitioned Crabtree more into the offense. Because he's obviously he's capable. Yeah, San Francisco is a, is a sneakily bad organization. Sneakily. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns and the Miami Dolphins, which went to overtime. Uh, this is like a tale of two terrible teams here. Um couple of do you have any first takes on this game i'm gonna go out and re- sit and try to remind you i'm pretty sure i said we're gonna see terrell prior quarterback this you season. said it man you called it and lo and behold i think he got five snaps and he actually he got um a chance to throw the football five times i mean at this point 
you should probably look at Terrell Pryor as a fantasy option. I can't believe I'm saying this because he's actually a great wide receiver. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to remember the names. The Browns did this before with another wide receiver who was a kick returner. He was a wide receiver, and he actually got snaps. Really? Out of uh, yes, they had a guy a couple years ago. You're not thinking of like Josh Cribbs, are you? Josh Cribbs is exactly his name. That's who I was thinking of. My goodness, good job. He kind of got that same, like, you know, the offense was so bad that they ran everything through him. He was that guy. Mm-hmm. But I think Terrell Cryer's got a little bit more more potential than Josh Cribbs cause just because he actually was a quarterback yeah. at Ohio State. I mean, there was a couple so. of years where he was the starting quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, and the Browns, yes. God bless you, Jackson. You know, you said it. He's. I think this is a Josh Cribbs situation where they're just running everything through Terrell Pryor. He was throwing the ball, he was catching the ball, and he was running he the ball. He got tons of yardage. She got tons of yardage in this game. And he was their whole I, friggin' team. I would say he's a great flex option if you need one. He's probably in a waiver wire. I know I saw him this weekend, and I thought about it, but I, I didn't think it was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I mean. He, he's a threat. He can, I, he, can, he can hurt you in so many ways. I uh, I certainly you know I think uh, I think he's definitely a big waiver wire pickup. Whether it's catch, whether it's receptions or throwing the ball, the Browns are in such a dire situation right now. And and you you cap it off with the fact that Corey Coleman just broke his hand. Now yes. there's really nobody else that's taking snaps away from Terrell Pryor. I mean, the only other viable fantasy guy I can think of on that team is probably Isaiah Crowell, and Crowell pretty much split carries with Duke Johnson Jr. in this game against the Dolphins. Well, if I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think Josh Gordon comes back next week. Uh, I think he comes he's back got, he, he's, he's going to miss four games. He's got one more game he's got to miss. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'm trying to remember what I was thinking. I'm like, man, they could really use him right now. Dude, they could so, uh, be screaming for Josh Gordon. <laughs> Can you imagine okay. Terrell Pryor throwing touchdown passes to Josh Gordon? Now you're talking. That's, that's a little freaky, and I'm pretty sure Browns management did not imagine that in the offseason when they were coming in. I'm pretty sure they were hoping that RG3 would come back and they would actually have an offense. Dude, just how, how quickly things have turned. Dude, the, the Cleveland Browns, how quickly things have turned is their middle name. Um, I mean, there's, there's really not much else they've got going for them right now, unfortunately. It's just unfortunate. Let's talk about the Dolphins. So... The running back situation's a mess there. Now with Foster Hurt, they've got Kenyon Drake, and they've got Jay Ajayi, and both of them were completely forgettable. Um, the, the, the only person I like in the passing game is probably uh, Jarvis Landry. Devontae Parker is good, but he and Kenny Stills, you know, they're both sort of saddled into this number two, number three slot. Jarvis Landry is clearly the possession guy who gets all the looks. I mean, he's been producing from a huge standpoint on a fantasy set. Um, Ryan Tannehill... I, I don't write off Devontae Parker too soon. I think he's going to get a few more looks. He, he had a touchdown this game. Uh, I think there are moments when you can expect Jarvis Landry to be in lockdown because it's so obvious he is that guy. Uh-huh. That Devontae Parker... He, he seems to kind of capitalize on these opportunities every now and then. So I think maybe he might get a bigger role. He just came back from injury, too. Yeah, that's so true. So I think he, he, might, he might get a, a little more of a feature role in the offense. We should keep an eye on him. Do you think that Tannehill throws the ball enough to make himself a viable starter, Devontae Parker? At this point, you've got Arian Foster out, you've got Jay Ajayi, and you've got Kenyon Drake fighting for running back time. You have no choice but to throw the football. And the Dolphins' defense is still so at best. He's going to have no choice but to throw the football. And I'm hoping Tannehill's matured enough as a, uh, a quarterback to kind of throw the football without 
throwing interceptions. Really, turnovers is the name of the game for him. Okay. So if he's doing well, you can expect those wide receivers to rack up. Okay. He's going to get at least 15 targets. Parker can probably get 9 or 10. Okay. That, uh, that, that, I buy that. I buy that. I think uh, Devontae Parker still a relevant fantasy option. Uh, let's... And he still is your home run threat, but I, he has to drop passes for me. I, I, I don't like him. He makes me nervous. At the end of the season, do you think Devontae Parker is more of a viable fantasy option than Kenny Stills? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's get away from this game. Let's go to the other game that was in Florida, the Ravens beating the Jacksonville Jaguars in sunny Jacksonville. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of first takes that I had from this game. Number one, uh, all of the running backs suck. The Ravens running backs suck. The Jaguars running backs suck. And to be quite honest, the passing game was pretty bad, too. Blake Bortles threw three picks. Joe Flacco He's threw two backwards. picks. Uh, Blake Bortles is going backwards to me. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with the, the play calling. It's He's just... Allen Robinson, who's an absolute freak. They, they should just throw him every down. Every down? He was amazing. He finally showed every up. Every down. <laughs> Every down, he should be getting at least a look. You should get a look before you check it down. I, I don't understand what's going on out there. Yeah, I think that I think you absolutely nailed it. I think they're taking steps backwards, and I think we're getting closer and closer to the firing of Gus Bradley as the coach of the Jaguars. No um, argument there. His record's actually, I looked at it the other day, it's god-awful. It's terrible. Is, it's awful. I, th- I think that they wanted to legitimately give him a shot. They said, listen, the team is bad. He came in season one. The team was like three and 13 or four and 12. And it's been that way for the last three or four years. But I think they were like, listen, let's give him a shot to build something yeah, and get so something much, going. There's so much talent on that team now. I, I'm he, really waiting. Even the defense is not bad. This, no. On offense, they should be doing something. I know the running back game is still questionable because I, I think everyone thought TJ Yeldon was going to be the man. And he's not. Yeah. Chris Ivory still phantom injury. Yeah. But Blake Bortles, you've got so many weapons on offense, and we're still waiting for this all to kind yeah. of. The fact to, that there is so sense. much talent on that Jacksonville team, and they've worked their way all the way to this season, and now that they're still losing terrible games, starting out 0 and 3, and Blake Bortles looks like he's taking steps backwards, that's when you got to look at the coaching staff. So I think you're absolutely right. We're, I think you can expect the firing. If they don't wait till the end of the season, we might not even make it to the halfway point. Uh, Mike Wallace finally came back down to earth, didn't have a touchdown. If you had to pick Mike Wallace or Steve Smith, Steve Smith, who actually had, uh, I think it was like eight catches for 87 yards, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? If you're in a PPR league, you got to look at Smith because he's, he's just such a tough, he's got so much heart. And you can never really count him out of a game. He's just, he, he, he's going to retire, and you're going to say, man, you know what, that guy could have probably played another year or two. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you'd have to go with Smith if you're in a PPR league. Okay. But if you're looking for that home run threat, especially, you always got to play the matchup. If you're playing a secondary that's questionable and they give up a lot of yardage or touchdowns, you got to look Mike Wallace away because he can burn you so easily. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. Both of them have been pretty productive from a fantasy standpoint. And we'll see how this running back situation shakes out because Forsett, Terrence West, uh, I don't think either one of them are viable. And, you know, I hear Matthew Barry talking about when Kenneth Dixon comes back from injury, he might be viable. But I don't know if any of these running backs are worth having. I They got to wait till the draft. They're not going to fix that until they go to the draft. No, I agree. That's very good. Shaka, amen, man. Uh <laughs> 
Let's go to the next game, Lions-Packers in Lambeau Field. Packers do what they always do. They smack around a divisional opponent, and they get a big, convincing win. Aaron Rodgers was awesome. Jordy Nelson looked fantastic. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns. Eddie Lacy, 100 yards rushing. Um, give me. I'm going to start talking about the Lions and how Marvin Jones was brilliant in the loss, but what are some of the takeaways you had? But first of all, I did say Jerry Nelson was going to have a big game. Look you called it. it. You called it. Lo and behold, lo and behold, I think that knee's looking pretty good. I mean, Jerry Nelson is just a smart receiver one, and he's just got such a just great chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think really, it, they didn't really connect, and I think that was one of the reasons last week why they looked so shaky against Minnesota. Nelson didn't really get a chance to, they, they had him locked down, and Minnesota's defense is just testament to that. So I think people were worried that Aaron Rodgers and the offense looked a little lethargic. Um, he, the guy had four first-half touchdowns this week. I don't think they have any trouble throwing the football. No. So, no. I, you know, credit that to the Vikings defense and less so to the offense. So I think they're fine. Okay. Uh, qu- quick question about the Packers, though. Uh, what about Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb has been consistent, but he doesn't have any touchdowns. Do, do you have any, any trepidation about him, or do you think he's going to sort of pop off and have a good game soon? I mean, I feel like he's due. He's definitely due for a big game. You're right, he has been a little bit kind of quiet. But he has. he's also got great chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. I think his moment just hasn't come yet. Okay. He's definitely he's due for a big game, though. Okay. Uh, Detroit Lions. we got to talk about this receiver situation. So, number one, the ru- running backs are busted up. They're clearly throwing the ball a lot with Matthew Stafford. But Marvin Jones had 200 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns. I mean, Marvin Jones or Golden Tate? Who's who's the guy to have? Marvin Jones, I think when he, he decided, you know what, Cincinnati's been great, but it's my time to shine. And he was great in Cincinnati. Yeah. He was great in Cincinnati, but man, oh man, he's he's looking to be like top three wide receivers in the league because they just, well, Megatron's gone, and they just need a guy who can just kind of shoulder the load because Matt Stafford's going to be throwing every game. Yeah. He's going to be throwing 35 to 40 passes every game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you got to go with Jones. Golden Tate's great, but he doesn't have the kind of lethality that you can get from a Marvin Jones. Do you feel like Marvin Jones, like this past week's performance, has he sort of ascended into the must-start category? I, I honestly, yeah. This, if he he wasn't already, he's just the number one option out there. There's no question. You know, you got to have your number one defender on him every game. Like, there's no question about it. So, yeah. If he wasn't already, you're in a must-start category for you. Then now, uh, last question I'll ask: uh, Lions running backs. So um, they they brought up this rookie, uh, Dwayne Washington. He was splitting carries with Theo Riddick. Um, right off, the, do you think it's worth picking up this guy, Dwayne Washington, simply from a work standpoint? Like he's going to get touches? I don't feel comfortable really handing off this one to Washington yet. It's really hard to tell, still, just because. The, the pace of the Detroit running back situation just depends on what the score is. If they're behind, don't expect too many touches. And Riddick is probably the guy who's going to catch the ball out of the yeah. backfield yeah. if you do have to have a back end. So I'd say you still go with Riddick. Washington's still a little bit dicey, especially if you're not sure just how that defense is going to hold up. They might be chasing after whoever they're playing for the rest of the game. Okay, okay. Uh, let's go to the next game. Broncos defeating the Bengals 29-17 in Cincinnati. 
couple of storylines to take from this. This was a hell of a game. I definitely was wrong in picking the Bengals at home because that Broncos defense is a championship defense. I mean, Look, I, I, man, I don't blame you. I mean, I'm repeating what's so obvious, but I thought, you know, Bengals are a good D. Trevor Simeon's a young quarterback. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll have a little trouble on the road. Boy, was I wrong. And not only was I wrong, Trevor Simeon looked fantastic. He really did. And I, I listened to, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was definitely ESPN Radio, and I listened to one guy, he almost sounded like blasphemy, where he said, you know what, I'm not taking anything away from him, but Trevor Simeon looked better than Peyton Manning did last year. Oh, and yeah. Going back to Michigan. And I, I was like, you know what, it's actually, you're, you're actually right, because Peyton Manning wasn't that great, the defense was. No, no. So, you know, you take that defense and you have a guy who actually, he had a couple great throws down the field. One in particular I remember to, um, Emmanuel Sanders yeah. also had a monster game. Monster game. Monster. He, Simeon looked great. He looked more comfortable in the offense than I had seen him in the, the, the first couple games of the season. Listen, I think I can say claiming that Simeon is better now than Manning was last year is not an outrageous statement. I think the the entire you know NFL fandom can agree that Peyton Manning was, was throwing balls with a limp noodle last year, okay? <laughs> And, you know, I would be a better upgrade at quarterback than Peyton Manning last year. But to see Trevor Simeon throw 35 passes, 312 passing yards, and four touchdowns, and like you said, a couple of them were beautiful passes to Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, this can't be denied. In your opinion, Shaka, is he legit? Do you go, is he, do you go get him off the waiver wire? He's got so many weapons in Denver to not be considered, at least, if he's not on your watch list. I say give him one more game, and he's got Demarius Thomas, who's a beast. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders he used to be the number one guy in Pittsburgh. I think he cut out a little early because of the contract situation. No, I don't think he, I don't think he was. I think he was always behind Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown, and I think he wanted to get well, paid. It was funny because when Mike Wallace left, Sanders had that potential. He was that guy. He was their deep home run threat, and I always thought I was like, if he sticks around, he's gonna be he's gonna be Roethlisberger's number one. And sure enough, he took off too. So I, I think Antonio Brown popped up. If he wasn't already in this situation, I think he popped up right after. Antonio so, Browns, uh, he's been around. He was just always underpaid. He's still underpaid. Yeah. I, mean, I love Sanders, though. Like, Sanders has always been that guy. He's kind of like, he'll kill you one game, and then the next year, look at the stat sheet. He had five catches, 49 yards. You know what I mean? So it's always kind of dicey. So it's also an eye-opener to see him go off in this game. And he had, a, he had one catch in particular where he just threw himself all out. I was like, man, you play like this every week. You're you're a starter for sure, dude. That's why the Broncos paid him, man. And that's a tricky thing about Emmanuel Sanders because the first two weeks he was very quiet, and there was a lot of yeah. suspicion of like, you know, do you drop him? Is it worth it to have him? And just I as we're saying a, anything, for this week. what's I think that? He had one. I think he had one touchdown before this week, if I remember. But I could be wrong about. It. I bet even then, it's just he's so quiet on the stats key. He'll give you a couple catches. We'll have 70 yards here, 80 yards, but all of a sudden this week, man, just just knocking, the, of all people, the Bengals, who have a pretty good secondary. They yeah. knocked, he knocked them out of the box. They had no answer for him. I mean, this was really not just Trevor Simeon in the passing game exploding, but doing it on the road against a good defense with the Bengals. I mean, we can't ignore this. We've got You definitely got to start thinking twice about you know how productive Simeon is Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders are going to be in these upcoming games because before I was sort of writing them off as like this is a team with a crappy young quarterback or a young quarterback that's going to run the ball. Now I don't feel the same way. It's, uh, you know what? I have Mar 
argument with that. I was definitely on the fence myself. Even Demarius Thomas, I don't think I started him this week. I didn't. I, I have him on a team. Good. I didn't start him this week. I have Emmanuel Sanders on a team. I didn't start him this week. Yeah, I think I actually took. I think I had Emmanuel Sanders on me, and I definitely benched him for someone else. But you know, it's again, it was a lot in question. But this is a great way for them to go. You know, to keep the undefeated streak alive. Let's talk about the Bengals real quick. So Jeremy Hill, even though he's been sharing, you know, touches with Giovanni Bernard, he blew up and had a great game. Do you? Th- so uh, frustrating. How do you feel about like? Is he going to do that next week? Do you have any confidence so, that Jeremy Hill's going to do that next week? It's so infuriating because this is this is the story of Jeremy Hill. This is pretty much in a nutshell what it's like to have, be a Jeremy Hill owner. He's gonna he's gonna give you you know two touchdowns one week and you might be quiet for another two weeks and you're just looking at yourself like why did I. Why did I buy into this? So, you know what? going to go ahead and say, who knows? He's always, the, the one thing I will say about Jeremy Hill, he's always the red zone option yeah. for the Bengals. They love him in the red zone. Giovanni Bernard is your backfield, you know, catch out of the backfield. And Bernard had a monster game last week. Yeah. So, you know, it's really, it's just, it's whatever the package that the offensive coordinator decides to go with for the week's matchups. So you know, good luck trying to figure that out. For fantasy managers out there, it's a tricky one. One week it's Bernard, the next week it's Hill. That's the name of the game when it comes to the Bengals' uh, backfield. So if you want to ride that train, this, God bless you. If it's a soft matchup, they got a soft defense, you probably will lean towards Hill just because if they get in the red zone, they'll probably give him the ball and just see if he can just fight his way through for a touch. Mm-hmm. But if not, I'd say lean Bernard. Let's move on to the next game here. The Vikings beating Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers in Carolina 22-10. to What are your first takes from this game, Shaka? I said before, I was like, the only person who can beat Cam Newton is Cam Newton, and he definitely whipped himself. Yeah. There were a couple times, I, he just looked... I, I just remember specifically one time he got sacked, and he just made the most inexplicable throw. Just take the sack, buddy. Threw it up in the air, threw a pick, and it's just moments like that where he's just trying too hard to make something happen. That he 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 took his team out of uh, contention a few times. They weren't completely out of the game, but the one thing that I noticed uh, on top of everything, Kelvin Benjamin, yeah, absolutely nothing nope. after last week being an absolute monster, two touchdowns. This week he didn't even have a catch. Nope, big donut. And credit that to the Vikings' defense. They just did a great job. They locked him down. They kept eyes on him. I, re- I think I remember one of the defenders in a post-game interview saying that Devin Funches just was not that good, so we were not worried about him, which is, I mean, that's painful, but it just goes to show you how how much um, Cam Newton relies on a healthy Kelvin Benjamin in that offense. And the running game is, is pretty much up in the air right now, so they really did not have what it takes to really – give this Vikings defense a run for its money. I completely agree. I think the story of this game was the Vikings defense. This is a week three matchup between two playoff teams, and I think both of these teams are going to be playoff teams again. I think you nailed it. I think that this Vikings D is amazing, and they really got underneath the skin of Cam Newton. I think we saw a very similar situation uh, week one with the Broncos, where they kind of got to Cam Newton, they hit him hard, they sort of rattled him, they screwed his timing up. They got him to make some poor throws. He threw three interceptions. Uh, they couldn't yeah. move the ball. And, you know, you said it. Like, they knew Devin Funches just wasn't that good. So they committed to shutting down Kelvin Benjamin. And you nailed it, man. Like, Cam Newton relies heavily on Kelvin Benjamin. Then you take away Jonathan Stewart. You got Cameron Artis Payne. 
all of a sudden, this Panthers team, I think they're going to be doing well against teams like the Buccaneers. They're going to be doing well against teams like, you know, the Redskins or something like that. But an early matchup with this Vikings team, I think, if anything, it's showing us more about the Vikings. It's showing us that they lost. Teddy Bridgewater is gone. Adrian Peterson is gone. And it doesn't matter. This team is 3-0 and beating good teams. Good teams. They beat the Packers last week. They beat the Panthers this week. Sam Bradford looks legitimate. Uh, the running backs are kind of forgettable, but it doesn't even matter. It, the, the defense takes care of all of that. And then to top it all off, Kyle Rudolph, tight end for the Vikings, got another touchdown. This is it, like Kyle Rudolph, I'm going to officially say, if you're looking for a tight end on the waiver wire, you know, last week I was mentioning Dennis Pitta, I was mentioning Jacob Tammy, Kyle Rudolph, that's a guy you got to pick up because Sam Bradford is building a really nice rapport with him very quickly, and I don't think that's going to stop as this season progresses. He's going to like using his tight end, and, you know, considering the amount of receivers they have in Minnesota, which is beyond Stephon Diggs, not really much, I think, I think Kyle Rudolph... Kyle Rudolph, I think, is going to become the Gary Barnage of this season. It's already looking. Kyle Rudolph, it was a one-on-one match where we got that touchdown, and he's a big guy. He's 6'5". Mm-hmm. He just, he just, and it, was it Shaq Thompson? I think it was Shaq Thompson, a linebacker. He just, he just, he's bigger, he's stronger, and he just manhandled him for that touchdown. So I think you're absolutely right. Definitely look at Sam Bradford relying on Kyle Rudolph, especially in big situations. Third down, red zone situations, he's going to get a look. Because Stephon Diggs is great, but he's not going to be able to be, you know, he's not Randy Moss. He's not going to be no. able to just all physical everyone every single time. So, and, yeah, he's you a know, big fantasy pickup. When you're talking red zone targets, I think Kyle Rudolph is the tastier red zone target than Stephon Diggs. You're absolutely right. I'm inclined to agree. Um, I will say this. I noticed, and it's kind of a long game, but he's on my watch list, so he's probably be in some people's watch list out there. The Vikings signed Ronnie Hillman to a deal. I noticed that. Last week. I noticed and, that. Uh, if anyone remembers, Ronnie Hillman was the running back for the Broncos last year. I don't know what happened. He won a Super Bowl. To keep him. Well, I mean, I don't know what happened when they decided not to keep him. But C.J. Anderson's got the starting job now, who was the backup. They kind of had a running back by committee situation last year. Yeah. But Hillman had almost 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah. So he's got a, he's got a chance, so let's see what happens. But I kind of got my eye on him in a couple of leagues just to see if he's going to get a chance to, because their, their running back situation right now is looking grim. And again, like you said, that offense is not looking high-powered. They need as much help as they can get. And uh, I, it's it's pretty obvious to anyone out there. I don't know if anybody has the Minnesota defense on their waiver wire, but if it is, oh, go yeah. get them. They are it's probably gone by now. They're matchup proof at this point, man, because they've been fantastic. And I, I'm thankful I got them on a couple of my teams. They were. I'm pleased that their ADP was pretty low this season because I was. I always pick my defense as one of my last picks, and I always use it as an afterthought because I like to stream. But I got Minnesota on a couple of my teams, and I'm very content. Hey, man, don't sleep. Defenses can sometimes change the outcome of a matchup, especially if it's close. And I think that I think the Minnesota defense, they had a couple of defensive touchdowns, so that can really That'll swing s- things in another that, direction. That will sway a game when your defense puts up more than six or seven points, puts up like 15 or 20. Hey-o. Uh, let's move to the next game. Redskins-Giants. The Washington Redskins beat Eli Manning and the Giants 29-27. This was an interesting divisional matchup. Uh, I feel like this is how all the games just end up being. Even yes. when Washington is really on paper, should not be that good. Yeah, and they shouldn't be beating Eli Manning and the Giants if Eli Manning didn't pull an Eli Manning and throw a couple of 
picks in the closing minutes of the game, the Giants probably would have won. It's a perfect way to say it. Eli Manning, he's pulled an Eli Manning. It's just amazing to me still, and it's going to be amazing to me until this guy's retired and done. A two-time Super Bowl winner who beat the Patriots twice. He beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. Just has games like this where you just... I'm sure there are Giants fans who are bald just from tearing their hair out. Just weekly he gets basis. himself into this situation where he throws these terrible interceptions. Terrible! I will say this. Your your pick last week is Sterling Shepard? Yeah, Sterling Shepard. I mean, he looks great. He looks this, awesome. This is one takeaway. He looks great. He looks like just a breath of fresh air for that offense. Not that they really needed it. They're kind of loaded with, you got a Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham Jr. And now you got a Sterling Shepard coming out of nowhere and just eating guys alive. They don't even see him coming. No. I think so, Sterling yeah. Shepard is going to slowly start. He's he's in that caliber of number two wide receivers who are startable. You know, you get to certain offenses that are just so frigging explosive. You know, we talk about the Cardinals with Michael Floyd and John Brown. I think Sterling Shepard's in that department. I'm, I feel confident, even as the number two receiver on the Giants, starting him on a few of my teams. Would you agree? That's fair. I, he, he got a few targets. He, well, he didn't get a few. He got, he got a lot of good looks. And he, you know what it is? He, he makes production out of... Uh, even if he got five targets, I think he put up like 90 yards. And he's still a touchdown. He got a touchdown, actually. He, you know, he, he's definitely a, a scoring threat, especially when you've got so many guys... Where so many um, you know defenders set on Odell Beckham Jr. trying to shut him down, which yeah. they almost did in the first half of that game. They really kind of took him out of the game. They did. They but, did. You know, it, it opens it up for him. He's always going to get a lot of looks just because there's so much attention on Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, ODB still got his in the second half, though. It's such a beast. Um, running backs for the Giants. Okay, number one, Rashad Jennings was a late scratch. And so pretty much it was a Shane Vereen, Orleans, Darkwa show. And they put on a good show. Both of them, I believe, had touchdowns. They split carries. About a day and a half later, I think like yesterday or last night or something, I read that Shane Vereen has a horrible injury and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Yes, I saw that too. I can't believe it. And it was so weird because I was actually going to say, you know, Shane Vereen's a viable That's what I was going to say. I was going to say we should pick him up. I've got him on one of my teams. And I was like, oh, at least I got Shane Vereen now. I've got a team where every single one of my running backs, all five of my running backs on my fantasy football team are officially out for four to six weeks. Are you kidding me? It's an epidemic this year. And it's it's just, I really felt bad last week where I could not tell anyone, yes, definitely use this guy. Yes, use that guy. This was actually... Even after we recorded the show last week, where I saw that uh, Jennings was hurt, and I was like, oh my gosh, play Sean Vereen because, or Shane Vereen because he's definitely going to score. He's definitely going to get 20 carries at least. He's going to get a lot of looks. Sure enough, he had a great game, and he goes and gets hurt. Yeah, and, and so now just, here's my question. Is like Orleans Darkwa the number one back in New York right now? Like, Is he a number one waiver wire pickup, Shaka? Well, do we know if Jennings is going to be healthy enough see, to play next year? That's my question. You see, I think there's some belief that he'll be healthy enough to sort of play, but I think they're they're also erring on the side of caution with let's rest him another week. And I think that at least for week four, you're going to see the Orleans Darkwa Paul Perkins show. I like Orleans Darkwa. I think the knock on him because they kept him. In, he's been around since last year. He got um he got carries last year as well. Maybe mostly in garbage time. But he's got a, a quick first look uh, when he gets off the uh, the offensive line. I just wonder 
if he's a twenty carry back. That's, I don't know. That's what, what I'm wondering as well. Like, do you do you like? Can you feel confident starting Orleans Darkwa this week? He got red zone looks and he got a touchdown this week too. So I, I I wouldn't completely count him out. I just don't know how he was catching the football out of the backfield. But I would tell you if you're if you're really hurting at running back and you had a Vereen or Jennings and you're you're wondering where the hell do I go from this? Orleans Dark Horse not a bad pick. I would tell you to give him a shot. Okay. Okay. I like that. Uh let's I can't really see much from Paul Perkins, but um I'd say go Dark Wa. Okay. I I like that. I'm in agreement with you. I've I've put in a few waiver claims for Orleans Darkwa as well. Um, let's talk real quick before we get to the next game. Let's talk about the Redskins. Is there anything to take away from this Redskins team? I mean, anything Jameson new? Jamison Crowder. I think Jamison Crowder's stock has officially risen. Um, he looks great. He looks he looks like a viable option because you know you've got Deshaun Jackson as a great home run threat, and he he's always a potentially the guy who could knock you out. But uh, Jamison Crowder is an every down receiver. He's a possession guy. He's He's quick after the catch. He's a lot faster after the catch, and I realized I, there was a couple times where he. I mean, he, he had a touchdown that was really him. pretty. Yeah, he's 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 legitimate. So I would definitely, you know, if you're if you're having a couple spots on your fantasy wide receiver roster that you're trying to fill, and Crowder's out there, get him. Okay, okay, I like that. Um, not much else I want to talk about with the Redskins. Everything else is boilerplate stuff. I don't like Matt Jones. Kirk Cousins throws the ball a lot. Yada yada yada. <laughs> Um, let's go to the next game on the docket. Los Angeles Rams beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 37-32 in Tampa Bay. Shaka, first takes. How is this our shootout of the week? I don't know. I thought this was going to be a blowout by the Buccaneers. This makes absolutely no sense to me that you let the Rams, you let the Rams put up 37 points. Tavon Austin had a touchdown. Dude. What is going on? Had, How dare you? Tavon Austin had like a legitimate, I'm earning my $40 million long ball touchdown from Case Keenum. It was a broken tackle. It was a broken tackle touchdown. I was, I was upset. That was, should not have happened. I, I know. I have a problem with Tavon Austin, but just, man, the Rams, really? I mean, he, he shouldn't get stats like that, but he, listen, now he got it. It was a touchdown, and it was, I mean, this was still kind of a close game because the Rams' defense is quote-unquote good, but they gave up 400 yards to Jameis Winston and 32 points. I mean, I heard Brian Quick's name this weekend, and I haven't heard his name since Sam Bradford was there. Dude, I loved Brian Quick. I loved Brian Quick three seasons ago. <laughs> Just, just blew the dust off of his helmet. So you know what? I feel like playing football today. Let's Dude, do this. I, I, so, I mean, is is this offense or you know is this? Can you replicate any of this? It's hard to say. I will say if you're Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley player, finally showed I'm up sure though. You probably breathed a sigh of relief that, or you you might have kicked yourself because you you sold early and you benched them just because the Rams' offense is not that good. I don't blame you. You're probably upset because he had a great game. Now let, let me ask. Now let me ask you this about Todd Gurley, though. Two touchdowns, twenty-seven carries, lots of work, but he only had eighty-five yards. rushing yards. Twenty-seven carries, eighty-five yards. rushing yards. It's not that impressive. It's, it's it goes to say something. I mean, if that offense, God, Case Keenum. If Case Keenum is your hope for Todd Gurley getting you fantasy points, it's it's not looking good. Still. Case Keenum throws the ball well. You'll still have red zone opportunities. And, of course, of course, Todd Gurley's in the mix. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is one of those situations where you play the matchup and you hope to God 
that the Rams are playing someone with an awful secondary like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because it means that you can never, ever factor Todd Gurley out of the game. Yeah. Uh, do you, um, for the Buccaneers, Charles Sims, are you buying into this? Do you think he's a, he's startable as a, as a starting running back? He had a touchdown. He got a decent amount of, uh, you know, carries out of the backfield. But, I mean, are you buying that, Charles Sims? I would say so. Sims is a veteran guy. He's he's healthy. I mean, they, they're really limited at the running back position. And he got some red zone looks, and he, he executed. He, he made good on them. I would say he's a viable option for them, for sure. Now, two other things I want to mention. i got to say, I stole this right from Matthew Berry in the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Two receivers for the Buccaneers who have been showing up. Number one, Adam Humphreys has actually, I think, sort of gotten into a situation where he might be a little bit more of a tastier number two than Vincent Jackson. Just throwing that out there. He had 100 yards and nine catches and got 12 targets. Adam Humphreys, he's probably on waiver wires. And number two... From a tight end position, this is the same Buccaneers team that you said just dropped uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who was picked up by the Jets. Well, they've got Cameron Brait, who had 10 targets and two touchdowns, and he's been pretty productive as a tight end so far. How good of a tight end is Cameron Brait? Do you go pick him up? I'm so glad you said that, because I cannot remember his name. I knew it was something. I I, I was like, is it Cameron Great? No, it's Brait. You just reminded me. Something simple and forgettable. He absolutely is, and I think just the Tampa Bay offense in general, they like to have the tight ends factored in into their offensive game plan. And you know what? Cameron Brait, bravo. Like, last minute, Safari and Jenkins, who, who that was such a out-of-left-field announcement that he's being cut, yeah. not even suspended or benched, they outright got rid of him. And I, I'm sure they probably were confident enough that camera break could carry the load. I think he's a second-year guy, and you know what? He he looked great. I, I saw a couple of the plays where he absolutely muscled guys down and, and caught uh, the football for for big gains for the Bucks. So yeah, if you're if you're hurting and you need a tight end, because I think there are a couple tight ends this year who are underperforming. Uh, Cameron Bray, Gary sure Gary Barnage. Uh, yes, <laughs> we could, we could go on and on. Yeah, it's 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 a it's looking bad for tight ends this year. But Larry Donnell, Will Ty, all of these tight ends who have been You got nothing to lose. Okay, I like that. Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait. Anything else from this game you want to mention, Chaka? I'm still waiting to see if our boy James Winston can put together. I uh, mean, he, listen, he he had four hundred yards passing and three touchdowns. Aside from that terrible you know, egg that he laid against the Arizona Cardinals. He's been pretty good. Yeah, it, this is this is the the wave, the James Winston wave. You're gonna have a monster game, and the next just one touchdown, three interceptions. It's it's frustrating. I can't recommend him ever as a, a fantasy starter just because you don't know what you're gonna get with him. You don't have bag. you don't have enough you don't have a consi- consistent enough track record yet. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. I can't recommend him to anyone. Okay. Uh, let's move to the next game. San Francisco 49ers lose to the Seahawks in Seattle 18-37. to First takes from this game. I got a few thoughts, but you go first. I didn't watch this one, but Russell Wilson is one of my starting quarterbacks, and he is hurt. Yes. So it's, it's time to panic a little bit here with Warner. He did come back in the game. A play later, but he's hurt. He, so I don't know. He's, I don't think he's starting next week. Like even if he does start next week, do you? How comfortable do you feel starting Russell Wilson on your fantasy team if Russell Wilson is starting? 
I mean, he really does his damage as a scrambling quarterback. He comes out of the pocket and he just lights you up. I just asked Doug Baldwin. He's he's great out of the pocket, but he's got two bum out, two uh, two bum ankles, and now a knee injury. And 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 a terrible offensive line. <laughs> yes. So you're asking a scrambling quarterback to scramble even faster with almost as many knee injuries as one person can rack up <laughs> and still still put up big fantasy numbers. It's hard. It's really hard. I'd say bench him. It's time to look on the waiver wire for another quarterback. Even Tyrod Taylor at this point yeah, probably be a better fantasy option. Dude, well, don't, well put, Shaka. Know, it's, it's rough. It's rough. I don't like going against my boy, but he... The, the odds are stacked against him. Who are they playing next week? Oh, the Seahawks are playing the Jets next week. Yeah, they're playing your Jets, oh, baby. Oh, man. Hey, you know what? I, I'd say you got to bench them. The Jets are going to be hungry. They're going to be. There's going to be fire in their eyes. You better believe they're coming after the quarterback next week. Nom, 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 nom. They're going to chew him oh, up. Man. Sack lunch, baby. Interesting game. Interesting game for the Jets. That's going to be for sure. Now, let's continue talking about the Seahawks here. Thomas Rawls does not play. Christian Michael, in my opinion, cemented himself as the starting running back. 100 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. This is the first time we've seen a Seahawks uh, running back who is not named Marshawn Lynch actually show up and put up a good game. In Okay, Thomas Rawls, two-part question. One, is he droppable? And two... Has Christian Michael officially taken the starting job from him? What do you think? If you can afford to hold a fantasy spot for Thomas Rawls, do it. But Christian Michael looked—he looked great. He looked graceful. He looked like he had a, a, a great combination of power and speed, and he looked like that was his job to lose last week. So I would say you bench Thomas Rawls if you can—if you can afford to hold spot, hold it. But it looks like he probably by the end of next week is going to be droppable for sure. Okay. All right. That's I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I mean, my team with all the running backs that's hurt, Thomas Rawls is one of them. I think I'm going to have to drop him just for sheer necessity at this point because I need to pick up yeah, other running backs. It's dire. It's dire right now. It's so bad. I don't think I've ever seen this bad in any fantasy season I've ever played. That's, I mean, dude. I've got, like, all the running backs, there's a big O next to them, which means, oh, yeah, he high ankle sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks. That's crazy. A couple other questions about the Seahawks before I touch on the the Niners real quick. Um, Doug Baldwin showed up, finally, had a great game. Um, Number two, Tyler Lockett has pretty much been disappearing. Is he droppable? I mean, he hasn't done anything yet. Tyler Lockett, that's pretty much the name of the game. Even when... uh Wilson's at his best. Tyler Lockett is a home run threat. He has some big plays, but there's not enough of a consistency to really warrant. There's too many good wide receivers you can pick up other than the Tyler Lockett, so he's not worth it for me. He's a drop. Okay, Jimmy Graham gets a touchdown and 100 yards receiving. God bless him. He's back from that terrible injury. Are you buying this? Do you think he's going to maintain some of that production, Jimmy Graham? I'm nervous saying yes. I want to because I have him on a fantasy team. I benched him. And I saw the production, but even then I said, all right, let's let's give him some time. He's coming back from that really bad knee injury. You know, they're testing it out. They're slowly phasing him back into the offense. It's I'd say wait another week, but he looked good this week. He looked good enough that if your fantasy tight end situation is really bad, it's worth a shot playing him. Okay, okay. Um, let's talk real briefly about the Niners. I don't really think there's much to say. Their defense sucks. Um <laughs> Aside from shutting out the Rams uh, 28-0 in week one. What's that? 
I think Carlos Hyde had a good game. I Carlos really Hyde good. is about the only thing where Blaine Gabbert wasn't very impressive, but Carlos Hyde was it was rerun of week one all over again. Two touchdowns, running all over the place. Is he legit? Like, is Carlos Hyde a must start now? You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Things are that bad in fantasy that if you've got Carlos Hyde on your team, I mean, really, you you just need a healthy running back who is the feature back on the team to, to qualify for a starting job right now in fantasy. So, yes, Carlos Hyde is definitely okay. a, a must-start. Yeah, and, you know, Chip Kelly likes to run the ball, and you said it, Carlos Hyde is the featured back. He's definitely getting the volume. Um, I agree, he is a must-start. I actually benched him in one of my leagues, and uh, I, I think I still picked up the win, but... With the situation at running back and how thin it is right now, he's definitely a guy you got to hang on to if you still have him. Yeah, it's all hands on deck right now. Let's move to the next game. San Diego Chargers lose to the Indianapolis Colts 22-26 in Indianapolis. The Colts, again, with a exciting fourth-quarter comeback win where Andrew Luck managed it. This one I actually saw was a pretty pass to T.Y. Hilton and a blown coverage by the Chargers. But um, what are some of the first takes you have about this game, Shaka? Such a weird, such a weird game. Uh, you know, amazingly, the Colts pull two, out two hand. really disappointing teams. It's such a weird game to watch. Uh, you, I, I give Andrew Luck credit; he did have a really bad interception. Just a really, he had a, I think he had a fumble too. He had a couple turnovers in this game. Yeah, he had at least he, le- he had a fumble and a pick. He almost put his team out of this one, but he, he came back and he made a great, great pass to Hilton. Which, but, um, which always I, I, seems to be the story of Andrew Luck. He has a, be- a terrible beginning of the game, and then he has a nice end of the game. He's like Blake Bortles, only he actually wins the game. Frank Gore also showed up for this one, if I remember. He he had a solid game. He didn't go over 100 yards. Yep, yep. He had, he had a few tallies. I think he had 75 yards rushing. Actually, he no. He had, he had 82 yards rushing, but he actually had a touchdown. He got in the end zone. Yes. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, he had a pretty solid game. So, I mean, great job by Gore, which... It's just so weird to me that the running back situation is still so dicey. Gore, that Frank Gore is your starting running back still in the NFL. It's bizarre to me. I'm, His best years were five years ago. Dude, he was. So. People were ready to write him off three, four years ago. Just his consistency alone. You know, I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame guy, but I kind of almost want to nominate him for it. He just yeah, is. Yeah, right. It's like, he, dude, I I don't know if he's going to be the best quarterback, uh, best running back in the league, but I want him on my team. Just the, the, the perseverance is actually the word I'm looking for. I never thought, I remember he had a really bad knee injury, too, before he was even drafted. Mm-hmm. He came in and became just an absolute monster of an NFL player. So, you know what? Hats off to you, Frank Gore, for sticking yeah. around for so long. Dude, if he had only stayed with the Eagles, he was so close to signing with them last year. Probably a smart move, considering how they blew up the whole team afterwards. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, as for the charges, I really... I've got nothing. I, yeah. It's just, just nothing I can really... Melvin Gordon... Melvin Gordon's good. He's 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 producing. They didn't have much in the running that, game because I think they were throwing it a lot. At that point, and that's the thing, is that at that point, there's really not much else I can say for sure. Melvin Gordon kind of goes with the flow of the game. So Chargers are up, expecting to get his carries because they're going to want to run the clock. But if they... But like will be in most games, he's not going to see the football. It's It's... It's a really weird team to recommend any time. Yeah, and it's it's tricky with the receivers. You know, Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams, they're big, they've both been getting looks. Like, I think Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams are both legitimate pickups as receivers on that Chargers team. But, I would say that. You know, you got Antonio Gates was a late-game scratch. You got this guy Hunter Henry. 
I don't know if I'm ready to pick him up as a tight end. He had a great game, but he also had a really, really bad fumble at the end of the game, which pretty much set up the Colts to win. Um, but I would some- say, yeah, I would say Tyrell Williams I have on one fantasy team. I've got him on the bench just because he's... They're him and Benjamin are sure to get so many targets. And he's you have to kind of factor you, in. You gotta stash him. You know he's he's getting too much volume right now to be sitting on the waiver wire. Terrell Williams, I like him. Uh, the last thing I want to mention, Shock, on this game before we move on, Jack Doyle, the tight end, the second tight end for the Colts, is getting a lot of work. Okay, we thought this was just a fluke in Week One when he got busy and I got, think got a couple of touchdowns, but every game yeah. since then. I feel like he's been getting more production than Dwayne Allen. I think they've been putting Dwayne Allen as the blocking tight end more, and Jack Doyle's getting the looks. Do you think Jack Doyle is someone who uh, we should be picking up off the waiver wire if you're looking for a tight end? I can't deny he's really he's kind of coming on. He's, uh, I, I don't think he's had the big bust out game yet, but you know what? You pick him up, you might be on the receiving end of it. Okay. So I'd say yeah, definitely look at Jack Doyle now. Okay. W- would you rather have Jack Doyle or Dwayne Allen? <sighs> I mean, Dwayne Allen's still the red zone guy, but Jack Doyle, he, I don't think he wants to be denied. He, he's, he's making himself, he's making himself a part of the offense. Okay. He's, he's forcing himself into that offense. So okay. you got to look at him. All right. Uh, next game on the docket, Chicago Bears, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys win 31-17, smacking around this atrocious Bears team. Any first takes that you have, Shaka? Ezekiel Elliott looked really good. Yeah, he did. Dak Prescott looked Dak really Prescott good. Made some great, some great throws in that game. Just mm-hmm. Really crisp. Looked a lot more comfortable than he did before. The offensive line gave him time to throw too, mm-hmm. which is something that's kind of been dicey for the Cowboys. But they they looked all together. They looked really good. They looked like they had just a lot of weapons. Everyone was involved in the offense. They they, they spread the ball around. Everyone got a chance. They had a couple of weird plays. I think Terrence Williams. Was Terrence Williams? Got a big uh, chunk of yardage on the play and then yep. fumbled. Yep. As soon as he got popped, which was weird, it, it kind of rolled my eyes at that. But they looked good. The Cowboys look like uh, we're going to have a quarterback controversy next year, maybe. You know, I really got to give credit to Dak Prescott. It, you know, week one, he he was a good game manager. He played well. He couldn't get the ball to Des Bryant. They really hung in there and they almost won. Week two and week three, he has really progressed. He's perfor- he looks yeah. more calm in the pocket. He's much more pinpoint with his passes. He's getting the ball to Des Bryant. Des Bryant had a nice touchdown in this game. I like Great that he's touchdown. using Jason Witten. Cole Beasley, the amount of Cole, like, simply volume. We might need to start talking about Cole Beasley, at least in a PPR format, getting up there and being just as valuable, if not more valuable, than Terrence Williams. I mean, he's just getting yeah, yeah. so much yeah, work. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nose right there. Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley looked like a man possessed uh, in this game. He got a lot of looks. He made good on those looks. Terrence Williams, yeah, he's, it was his spot to lose. Even Urban when Des Bryant was down, Terrence Williams had a chance to be the man, and he didn't really... He didn't really capitalize on it, so I think the the offensive coordinators are probably going to look more at a Beasley, especially with a win like this. Yeah, and and Dak Prescott is just building that rapport with him. The relationship between the, the, those two guys, it's very clear that it's coming up. Ezekiel Elliott, it's like every single... He had 140 yards, and he looked great, but every single touchdown he could have gotten was vultured. Dak Prescott took yeah. one. Lance Dunbar took one. Alfred Morris took one. It was... I don't know what the story is with that. I'm wondering if they're trying to preserve him a little bit just in the red zone situations from getting pounded. Because you know if if Ezekiel Elliott's lining up in a red zone situation, I've noticed, especially earlier on in the season, 
that they load the box and they're, they're expecting runs. So maybe yeah. they're trying to throw. And he's, throw, maybe it's just strategic. He's not a big, huge bruising back either. And listen, they ran him 30 times. He had 30 carries yeah. in this game. I think, if anything, they're willing to say, you know what, let's go smash Alfred Morris for the one yard to get into the end zone and have him deal with the bumps and bruises. And we'll throw Ezekiel Elliott back there on the next uh, possession and have him take the first down run. It definitely seems like a for preservation's sake kind of a strategy. But you know what? He's, he's due for a few. I'm sure they're going to give him a couple opportunities on the one-yard line. I agree. Uh, anything to write home about with the Bears? I mean, Zach Miller, the tight end, finally showed up. He had two touchdowns. Uh, he and Brian Langford Hoyer connected. Injured? Did Langford get injured in this game? I Jeremy Langford was uh, – Jeremy Langford, another one of my – starting running backs on my fantasy team who's out. Jeremy Langford suffered a high ankle sprain, a severe high ankle sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks. And Kadeem Carey is also said to have suffered some type of injury in this game as well, which means rookie Jordan Howard is probably going to be starting next week against the Lions. I definitely think Jordan Howard is a must pickup because I think he will get, he's going to get the volume of the work for this Bears team. It's crazy. I mean, that Bears team, one, is bad. Two, is beat up. So, yikes. I mean, I expect them to run the football a lot next week. So, yes, you're absolutely right. He's a must pick up. Do you have any any um, trepidation about Alshon Jeffrey at all, or is he still Alshon Jeffrey? Alshon Jeffrey is just a tough guy. I, if, I feel if I say you sit him that I'm going to wake up in a cold sweat at 2 a.m., why did I say that? <laughs> you can't count him out. He had a couple of catches. And the runs after the catch, he just he will not be denied. No. You still play Alshon Jeffrey. Okay, okay. Uh, finally, last game on the docket, Monday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints losing to the Atlanta Falcons 45-32 in an absolute shootout. I'm going to take yeah. the first take here, Shaka. i got to talk about Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman running all over the place like Forrest <laughs> Gump, man. Woo! I mean, I've got Tevin Coleman on my bench, and I I kicked myself. But at the same time, I thought it was the right choice. I mean, it was Obviously hard. It was dude, dude, Freeman and Coleman both got work. Freeman had more rushing. He had a touchdown. But Tevin Coleman got rushing and had three rushing touchdowns. It's just hard because... Not many defenses are the New Orleans Saints defenses. Not many defenses are going to let both of your running backs just go stomp on them like it's their job. They could have had more, too. I'm pretty sure towards the end of the game... Dude, Devontae Freeman ripped off 80 yards in the last two minutes of the game when they were just trying to salt it away. He was loading up for another touchdown, and they just had to take a knee at the end of the game. Like, thank God, because, I mean... Saints D. Ugh. Massacre. Just a massacre. It was, uh, it, you know, sometimes we talk about uh, a, sh- uh, a bona fide shootout. I mean, I think everybody was expecting that last week when the Saints played the Giants, and that wasn't the case. Well, it was completely different in this game. Both teams were just going back and forth down the field. I saw that pick that Drew Brees threw. He threw a red zone interception that was taken back 90 yards for a touchdown. He gets the ball back. He goes right back down the field and scores a touchdown. I mean... <laughs> Dude, all offense, no defense. The thing for the Saints, Kobe Fleener showed up. Yes, he looked great. He looked great. He he looked, he he was a saving grace, I would say, for Drew Brees on a couple downs there. I think they have an injury wide receiver. Who's hurt? I keep getting Cooks and um, Snead mixed up I I think Snead was out. Cooks was in the game. Michael Thomas, the rookie wide receiver, he had a couple of nice catches. I think he also had a touchdown. Um, but Fleener, man, Fleener really—he he saved—he saved, he saved Breeze's 
couple times. He kept the drives alive. He got a lot of first downs. He had a couple of big games. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Fleener used to be in the Colts. But, and I remember him being uh, just kind of the same guy. But I think he's going to have a bigger role in New Orleans, especially now that uh, – Breeze is just throwing every down. He's going to get some targets. Now, I ask you this. Is that consistent? Is Kobe Fleener going to produce like that next week? I feel comfortable saying at least you're going to expect to see him get some red zone looks. He's just, he's, he's good. He's a smart player. He's always, he's always around. He's always available, especially in the red zone situation. So I'd say you can give him a shot at a tight end. Okay, okay. Um, Julio Jones was really locked down for most of this game, only got one catch. Are you worried at all? No, I don't think so. I think if your game plan against the Falcons is number one above everything else, even the running back situation, is you lock down Julio Jones. You have to. Okay. Uh, Mark Ingram. You know, this is the third straight week where he's been productive, he's gotten the workload, but he's just done, he hasn't done anything really splashy. I don't think he's had any big touchdowns. I don't think he's had any hundred yards. Are you are you panicking at all? Do you feel anything, you know, or do you, you want to keep right? Like, do you continue to start Mark Ingram if you're starting him on your fantasy team? You know, I had him last year, and it's kind of uh, just a rehash. It's a tale of just this is what happens when your quarterback has to play from behind and just run up the score. You, you really – Ingram is going to be dealing with this every week. He's probably – if he gets 100 yards, it's garbage time, and they're running the clock down. So just expect him to not hit 100 yards pretty much every week, but he always gets himself in a situation where he gets a chance to score or he gets himself some uh, some solid yardage. He hasn't been terrible at all in any game this week or right. this year, but he's, he's not been outstanding, outstanding. He hasn't been like superstar. Gonna, you know, he's not Shady McCoy. No, so I don't expect it. I completely agree, and you know, you nailed it. The fact that this Saints team is 0-3 and they've been playing from behind, it's going to be really hard for them to take advantage of their amazing running back. Uh, you know, I think the saving grace he had was he had a two-point conversion at the end of the game, so he at least got something in there. You'll uh, give him credit. He'll always be somewhat fresh every game, so you can expect him to get as many touches as possible. Dude, you're absolutely right. Anything else to take away from this game? I don't really know. I feel like it was it was everything you could have wanted, except for the fact that Julio Jones didn't do anything. Um, you know, the running backs were running all over the place. Okay, if you, okay, if you are a Tevin Coleman owner, do you... Start him next week. As a Tevin Coleman owner, I'm thinking about it. I'm giving it some serious thought. I've got to look at my running back situation for my team. But uh, you know what? At this point, they both look like starting running backs, which is, for the Falcons, it's not the worst problem to have in the world. But if you're a fantasy owner, you're you're practically ready to throw your computer just because it doesn't really the, – the situation has not resolved itself, and it doesn't look like it'll be resolving itself anytime soon. Mm-hmm. They're both getting up about the same amount of touches. Yep. They're both making the most out of it. Yep. They're both scoring. So, I mean, you know what? For right now, you're not going to lose. But I'd say Coleman probably gets the nod. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's something to be said. You know, I mean, you can't deny the fact that he is a backup running back, but he ran for three rushing touchdowns last night. Yes. He did. That's that's not that, that is not just a random fluke. Then again, Joseph Randall ran for three touchdowns last year, and he's not on a team right now. Um, <laughs> let's uh, so we officially we ran down week three. That was the week three slate of games. Thank you, Shaka, for breaking them all down. Now we have got to pick the winners for week four. You know, one of these days, I think I'm going to actually go down our list and see exactly which one of these picks we got right. See what our current score is. 
Um, I know last week I didn't do too well. The dude, week before I was pretty good. Last week was uh, it was dicey. tricky, man. These games, none of them went the way they the way they thought they'd. I mean, I blew the Patriots call. I picked the Texans, and you got that one right. But uh, I mean, that was rough. That was, uh, rookie quarterback. Come on, it, it's it's too hard. It's too hard. Dude, the one we both blew the Panthers call. We thought Cam Newton was going to stick it to the Vikings. <laughs> it's it's crazy, but you know what? It, it makes it that much more fun. Call the next one. <laughs> All right, here we go. Week four, slate of games. We got to pick the winners. Thursday night football, Miami Dolphins at Cincinnati Bengals. Shaka, who you got? Okay, uh, this one I feel pretty comfortable with saying Cincinnati is going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Just a better team. Miami, I don't know what it looks like right now, and they're going to need at least a solid workhorse guy. J.J. could be that guy, but... I, the, the coaching staff doesn't seem sold on him. Ryan Tannehill, God only knows. So I'm going to say, you're going to Cincinnati, you're going to lose. I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one for sure. I'm going to agree with you as well, Shaka. I think uh, Miami, even though they're coming off an exciting win against the Cleveland Browns, this is not a good team. They're going on the road against a Bengals team that's going to be pretty angry after getting smacked around in their own house by the Denver Broncos. I think A.J. Green, I think that Jeremy Hill-Giovanni Bernard running game, and I think, you know, get a little Pac-Man Jones in there, get some of those defensive players. They're going to wreak havoc on that Dolphins offense. So I am also picking the Bengals along with you. Here we go. Sunday, October 2nd, London game at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars. Who you got? This is actually the only game I knew about for sure for this week's lineup, and I'm going to say this much. Jacksonville loses, the head coach is gone. Probably. Mm. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say for sure he's, he's a done deal. Wow. That being said, I'm going to say Jacksonville comes they got to bring the heat. I think lost the last three games um, in London, too. I don't think they won any of the games in London. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think they come out with a little fire, but it's not enough to stop Andrew Luck and the Colts. I'm going to go with the Colts on this one in a close game, maybe a touchdown difference. I think uh, this is a pretty tenacious division rivalry between the Colts and the Jaguars. The Jaguars every year have a home game in London, and this is definitely no different. I'm going to agree with you, Shaka. I'm picking the Indianapolis Colts because I think Andrew Luck and the Colts have a lot of problems on their team, but not as many problems as the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think there will be a lot of scoring. I think there will be some poor running back play by the Jaguars, and I think it'll come down to a fourth quarter comeback win or just a fourth quarter close game something where the Colts pull it out. I'm also picking the Colts in London. Blake Bortles throws an interception in the fourth quarter that pretty much seals up the win. That sounds that, that sounds really, really appropriate. <laughs> I feel comfortable with that assessment. We're going to come back next week and we're going to be like, Shaka called it! <laughs> um, speaking of that same AFC South division, here over in the States, in Houston, we've got the Tennessee Titans versus the Houston Texans in Houston. Shaka, who you got? Man, such a rough an embarrassing beatdown by the Patriots. I, I think Houston comes in about as angry as human beings can be. And poor Marcus Mariota's got to deal with that. I, I, I don't see these guys even getting across the 50-yard line in the first half, maybe, against the, the Texans. I'm going to go with the Texans. Uh, they win this one handily. 
I uh, completely agree with you. I think the Texans are going to be rather upset after that embarrassing loss to the Patriots. They're back at home. J.J. Watt is probably going to kill a small dog just in pure anger. He's going to t- he's going to take Marcus Mariota and beat him up like a rag doll. This is Marcus Mariota better get used to dealing with J.J. Watt and all that Texans defense twice a year every year because they ain't going anywhere. As exciting as DeMarco Murray has been, I do think that the Texans will bounce back. The defense will step up. And I think Brock Osweiler is going to look a little bit better in this game against the Titans than he did against the Patriots. I'm picking the Texans as well. Texans really need this one. They need this one. Uh, Cleveland Browns on the road against the Washington Redskins. Shaka, who you got? I'll tell you this much. If you're a Terrell Pryor owner, you got to give him some burn. Because, I mean, they just... They got no one else. That's about the only positive I have for the Browns. I'd say Washington uh, gets a a second. They get a back-to-back win this week. The Browns team is just not good. I am also going to pick the Washington Redskins at home. I think Kirk Cousins will show up, and his, his aerial game will actually be somewhat productive against this Browns defense. I think that you're right. I think Terrell Pryor will again be the entire offense for the Browns, and maybe even a little defense. I think he was out there and played some defensive snaps against the Dolphins. Oh my god, you're right. Dude, he he's safety. I, I, I think he played safety. Dude, the owner needs to step up and just cut the man a check, or at least just buy him a prostitute or something in sheer appreciation of what he did last week. But... I'm agreeing with you. I don't think it's enough for the Browns to break this losing streak. I think the Redskins, as terrible as they are, they've got, you know, less terribleness than the Browns. I'm also picking the Redskins at home. I really don't have much analysis to give for that game. I mean, besides the fact that I think the Browns are tanking on purpose to get the number one pick, but that's just me. I mean, I don't think they're tanking on purpose. I think they are just that bad. This was supposed to be a revenge game for Robert Griffin III. Instead, he's going to be sitting on the bench watching it like he did with many of the games for the Redskins last year. You know, there's a storyline that all of a sudden the announcers don't have to talk about. It's unfortunate. Here's the next game on the list. Your New York Jets at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Shaka, who you got? Okay. You got to get Matt Forte back in the uh, swing of things here. I mean, really, just kind of, I should say get Ryan Fitzpatrick back in the swing of things by letting Matt Forte set the tone of the offense. Run the football. I know this is a tough Seahawks defense, but you got to let him run the football. Get Eric Decker involved because he's just – I think everything really – Brandon Marshall's the man, but I think really the flow of the Jets offense is just determined by how many times Decker is involved. Yeah, like in when, Decker, when Decker gets going, everything gets going. It just works because you have to respect him. You give him the looks. And you got Quincy and Moi. I don't think Safari Jenkins Safari and Jenkins is going to be that much of a factor. His first game trying to get, get the hang of the, the Jets offense. Um, that being said – you got to bang up Russell Wilson. We don't know if he's going to start yet. I, I think they're looking at a rookie to replace him. I think it was uh, Trayvon Boykin was the guy who came in. Boykin. He threw a pick last week. He did. He so, threw a touchdown as well. Yeah, he did. You're right. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be hard to say. I, I say the Jets bounce back, though. The Seahawks are going to let him run the score up on him. It's going to be a close game, low-scoring game, but the Jets pull this one out. 
I am going to go with the Seattle Seahawks on the road. However, I am a little tentative about this pick because you've got Seattle flying cross-country. They're playing an early game against the Jets. You're not without Russell Wilson. There are a lot of indicators here that would make me want to pick the Jets and go with you on this, Shaka. But I'm still going to give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt. I think their defense is going to hassle Ryan Fitzpatrick enough to get on top of them. Ah, I'm, you know... I, it's hard. It's hard, but I'm going to give this... I will happily, happily be wrong by picking the Seahawks with this game just because <laughs> this is not a convincing win for the Seahawks. I absolutely see them very easily letting this game slip away from them. But for the time being, I am going to pick the Seahawks. Do you see Russell Wilson playing in this game? Uh, Yes. Yes, okay. I, I think they will try to trot him out there. And uh, even that another was- reason why the Jets might be, are probably going to be able to pull this out. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take that. Next on the docket, Buffalo Bills in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. The last game without Tom Brady. Jacoby Brissett will probably be starting. Maybe we'll see Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe we'll see Julian Edelman at quarterback. Shaka, <laughs> who the hell you got? Rex Ryan's already talking shit. He says he doesn't Rex care Ryan never stops talking shit. Well, he's actually... I'm pretty sure he's been worried about losing his job. So he's been a little bit quiet. <laughs> he's been toting the shit up. back. <laughs> all you all you need is to beat the Arizona Cardinals, and all of a sudden you got the win back in your sails. So, I, I mean, that being said, still not a great Bills team. Tyron Taylor is great. He's a great quarterback. He's great scrambling out of pocket. He can really hurt you with his legs and his arm. But I just think about how well the New England defense shut down the Texans last week. Such yeah. a great, just a great defense strategy. Impressive. They had Impressive they had, win. Sammy Watkins, I don't know what the deal is with his foot, if he's going to be playing at all, but I just see New England preparing for every eventuality. You better believe they're going to be stuffing the box with Shady McCoy because he's, he's he basically is their offense. Yep. The new simplified offense. He is their offense. So you shut down Shady McCoy, you contain Tyrod Taylor, which is not an easy task, and I think the Patriots win this. They're in Foxborough. They, they, come on. They don't lose at home. Dude, I'm, a, I'm completely agreeing with you. I'm picking the Patriots to go 4-0 without Tom Brady. Even with Jacoby Brissett, it didn't matter. They game plan so well. They coach them so well. The defense, I think you're absolutely right, is going to stuff the box and just stifle the Buffalo Bills. Even Listen, even if I'm playing quarterback for the Patriots, they're in Foxborough. They're at home. And I do not see Rex Ryan getting the better of Bill Belichick in this particular encounter. I'm picking the Patriots. The man's crazy. He's just nuts. He's crazy. He's crazy. And he's going up against a mad genius in Bill Belichick. What are you going to do? Next game on the docket, Carolina Panthers against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Shaka, who you got? This is probably one of my tougher calls for the week. This is not the toughest. (sighs) Deep breath. The Panthers, they're probably a little pissed. Actually, I'm pretty yeah. sure they're really pissed. Just a little pissed or really pissed? I'm pretty sure they're really pissed. <laughs> they got to get Kelvin Benjamin back in the offense. they got to get him involved because he's just... The flow of the game goes through him, apparently. Cam Newton, you know he's sitting at home thinking about just how he got trampled by that Minnesota defense. He's not going to have that kind of problem dealing with the defense. They're not that good. There's going to be plenty of room for them to run. They only had a running back to run with. 
So I think they get some opportunities. Is this a home for the Panthers? Uh, this is a home game for the Atlanta Falcons in oh. the Dome. This is going to be interesting. Matt Ryan looks really good this year, too. So I this is going to be a, a tough call. I'd say this is probably the closest game of the week. I'd say the Falcons beat them by a field goal. Wow. Wow. Yes, I'm saying it. Sasha like with the like bold Jacob call. We didn't talk about Jacob Tam either. I like him. I like this whole squad, the he, composition. They look good. He was Jacob Tammy was a little quiet. He came back down to earth this past week, but you're not sold on that. You think he's going to still produce? I think he will. I think he'll get some chances. Okay. Um, I am going to go against you, Shock. I'm going to pick the Panthers on the road, even though I think they, you know, this is a division rivalry. The Falcons are certainly a good te- as good a team as any that can get the better of the Panthers and help them slip up. But Panthers are 1-2, and two, and I don't think they want to go to 1-3. They've played two of the best defenses in the league, which is both of their losses. So I see them coming in and pushing around the Falcons. I don't think Matt Ryan is going to be able to get the same offensive output as he did against the Steelers last uh, steal against the Saints as he um, yeah, you know as he will against the Panthers. You know he's not going to have the same room to throw the ball. I think uh, the secondary for the Panthers is a little shaky, but anybody's better than the Saints. I think Cam Newton is going to step up. They're going to get the better of the Falcons. I think that it'll be Smash Mouth, but the Panthers are going to impose their will, and I'm picking the Panthers. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like they're vulnerable. If there's a chance to beat them, it's now. I completely agree. Because, listen, Panthers went 15-1 and last year. The only loss, Atlanta Falcons. Huh. Yeah. This, this divisional matchups, man. When divisional matchups happen, you never know Everything what's going to happen. Just ask Everything the Giants the and the Redskins last week. Divisional <laughs> matchups, man. That's true. Uh, next game on the docket, Baltimore Ravens, Oakland Raiders. In Baltimore at 12 noon. Shaka, who you got? Excuse me, 1 o'clock Eastern, it's 12 noon for me. This is a fascinating game. I mean... This is the toughest pick for me. This one is really hard for me. I'm I'm leaning Ravens with this one just because it's a home game. And I think if you can stuff Latavius Murray, who, again, we're still questioning whether or not he is that feature back. You can stuff Latavius Murray and hope that Derek Carr and Amari Cooper don't carve you up like a Christmas ham, you've got a chance to pull this one out. I think the also, really, this one's going to come down to the quarterbacks and how many mistakes they make. Joe Flacco's been great, but he's also thrown a lot of picks this year. Yeah, he has. So he's, he's thrown a lot of picks, I noticed. It makes me a little shaky. But that I, Oakland defense is not that, it's not that terrifying. So he's got a couple chances to make some big plays. So you're picking the Ravens? I think, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think we're actually going to have a pretty... This, this one might go to the 30s. This is going to be a pretty high-scoring game, I think. Wow. Um, I, uh, I'm going. I'm going to agree with you. I'm also picking the Baltimore Ravens. I, uh, for the exact reason you said, uh, they're at home. I think they are probably the most deceiving three and O team out there. I don't think they're that good to be three and O, but they've had the good matchups. They've had the good teams. They've won the games that they've needed to win. Um, I th- I don't know if this is going to be the same shootout as we think. You see that I think that the Raiders' offense is more exciting than the Ravens' offense, and that's kind of why part of me is thinking that the Raiders are going to win this game. But the Raiders are coming out to the East Coast. They're playing on the road. This is not the Tennessee Titans. This is the Baltimore Ravens, and they they can get pretty nasty on defense. I'm going to give that home court advantage and that defensive nastiness. That's going to be the advantage for the Ravens. I'm picking the Ravens. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, 
Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears in Chicago. Who you got? Do I have to make a pick? You have to make a pick. You can flip a coin if you want. You know, the Bears just... Poor guys. I I feel really sad for them. They just really beat up and banged up. You got a healthy Detroit team coming in. You got Marvin... I almost said, this is Marvin Lewis? Uh... Marvin Marvin Jones Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones. I was, I was Marvin Lewis he's a coach of the Bengals Different, <laughs> wrong Marvin, Marvin. Jones, I was like oh god it's not marvelous Marvin Jones I mean I'm sure he's probably licking his chops to that Chicago secondary right now he's, he's, he's just got a poster up of the entire secondary just running backwards with their, their backs to the quarterback I'm gonna smoke these fools so I I think I think the trade's gonna go in there and they're gonna feast Okay. On the carcass, on the carcass of the Bears. I um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm also picking the Lions. They are on the road, and they are the Lions, which should equate a loss. But this Bears team, <laughs> this Bears team is so bad. Um, they've got so many problems. They've got so many injuries. Now they've got pro- They've got injuries at the running back. They've got injuries at the quarterback. And they've just they can't put together an entire game without figuring out a way to turn it over or or just throw the game away. You called it, man. Marvin Jones is licking his chops, and he's probably got a poster of all those receivers above his bed just eyeballing him, sucking on a lollipop, getting excited. I uh, I definitely got to go with the Lions as well. I think they're going to air it out, and uh, they need that win, and I think they're going to get it. That was an easy pick, actually. Yeah, that was actually kind of an Depress- easy pick. Depressing, depressing but easy. <laughs> Oh, Bears fans! It's like what is, I was, what is someone say? Oh, bless her heart! It's like oh, bless the Bears' heart. They're just oh. Like, at least the city, at least the city's nice. You got that. We love, we love the Bears. <laughs> um. Okay. Next list. Next game on the docket: Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Sh- Shaka, who you got? I can't go against that Broncos defense. I just, I just like to see that. It's probably one of my favorite. It's exciting to watch, right? Just a defensive team go after the quarterback. Like the you got man, Demarcus Ware, you got Von Miller. You just got so many just hungry guys. And again, like we were talking about earlier, I just don't see Jameis Winston putting together some consistency across games. And I see him just giving up the football a couple times, at least a couple fumbles. And I'm seeing the pick for sure. And you know what? I, I like watching uh, Trevor Simeon. Let's see if he can uh, build on what he did last week against the Bengals. And, you know, be that premier. He, let's see if he's actually, you know, the let's, future quarterback. Let's see Broncos. if he's legit, if he can keep this going. I say the Broncos win this one. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but, I mean, it's going to be ugly for Jameis Winston, that's for sure. I completely agree. I'm also picking the Broncos. Their defense is a championship defense, and every game this year has demonstrated that. I think Jameis Winston's going to have a lot of trouble with their defense. I think we might see another another repeat performance of that Arizona game. He's going to have some clunkers. I think they're going to really cause havoc for him all day. And I agree with you. I'm curious to see if Trevor Simeon is able to replicate some of that offense or if it just turns into a C.J. Anderson running the game away. Um, it's also possible. Either way, absolutely still picking the Broncos. It's just it's hard to hard to go against that defense right now. Next game on the docket, Los Angeles Rams, Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Shaka, who you got? I would say the 
say this is an interesting game if it was in L.A., but Carson Palmer needs a bit of redemption after last week. I agree. Vista just, man, just went into Buffalo and laid an egg. And I'm sure he's probably gone over with Larry Fitzgerald. He's got some confidence talk back into him. You got the best running back in the league, David Johnson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's not going up against a soft defense, but he can still bang it out with the rest of them. Yep. I, I, I can't, there's no way I can go against Arizona in this one. They're at home, and they're great at home. You got Chase Keenum, at quarterback on the other side, throwing into that secondary. It's it's not looking good. Even if Todd Gurley has a good game, you just, you can't go against the Cardinals at home. All right. I completely agree with you, man. Dude, you're preaching to the choir. I'm picking the Cardinals as well. Los Angeles has just been too inept in a lot of facets of the game, specifically in the passing game. Um, the Cardinals are going to want some redemption after that loss. I think Carson Palmer is going to air it out. And as impressive as the Rams' front seven has been, I don't really know if I feel the same way about their secondary. I think David Johnson's going to run all over the place. I think Todd Gurley's going to have difficulty because as bad as the Cardinals looked last uh, week, their, their defense is not that bad. And you nailed no. it, dude. They're at home, man. I'm picking the Cardinals. Next it's going to be interesting to see. That's going to be a very interesting game. Because, again, divisional matchup. Anything can yeah. happen. Todd Gurley could have three rushing touchdowns. Anything could happen. That could be terrifying, actually. Oh, my God. Um, next on the docket, New Orleans Saints, San Diego Chargers in San Diego. Shaka, who you got? Oh, God. This is... Interesting, right? A tale of two awful defenses and quarterbacks <laughs> who like to throw the football. This is going to be a shootout all over again. You want to say a shootout, but I remember the last time I called a shootout, it was not even remotely close. <laughs> if you've got wide receivers on either team, you should just play them because they're going to find opportunities to, to catch the football. Even if they don't score, they're going to get plenty of targets. That's at least my fantasy assessment from this one. That every, the Start defense, everybody is what you're saying? Start everybody. Let him out. Melvin Gordon should have a pretty good game, too. I mean, I know he's not 100 yards every week kind of guy, but Did, he should have a chance to it, carve up that, that defense. I think he's going to get work in the in the passing game as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. Good point. I, Drew Brees, if Drew Brees is a start in your team, you better have, like, Aaron Rodgers or Carson Palmer or someone. You, you, need, you need a good reason to not start Drew Brees this game. I agree. That being said... Oh, man. I'm going to have to lean. I'm going to lean the Saints in this one just because I think they got a little bit more firepower than what Rivers can bring to the table. I'd say Breeze, they finally get a win this year. You're, San Diego. You're picking the Saints? I'm picking the Saints. I will go with the hometown Chargers. I think that the Saints' defense has been so bad that sending them on the road is not going to improve their situation. Granted... <laughs> San Diego doesn't have a very good home crowd. They don't have a really great home field advantage. But Phillip Rivers does like to air it out just like Drew Brees. I think it will be a shootout. But I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Chargers being able to pull something out in the fourth quarter. I'm picking San Diego. All right. I got nothing against you in that one, brother. Next game on the docket, Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. Who you got? I've never been a big Dallas Cowboys fan. But I'll tell you, this is probably the first year in a long time that I'd actually look at a game and like just enjoy just watching the rookies go out there and just try to fight 
fight for some recognition. I, I, I'm going to have to go Cowboys in this one just because I want to see the Cowboys go into San Francisco. It's not a great team. San Francisco 49 is not a great team this year. I, I just want to see them go in and just kind of build on what they've been doing all year. Maybe kind of get, uh, for one, Dak Prescott having a big game. I, I, for some reason, see him having a big game this week. Him and Des Bryant hooking up maybe two touchdowns. And Elliott finally getting some uh, some red zone usage. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one. They're going to steal this one from uh, San Francisco. I completely agree. I'm also picking the Cowboys. I uh, I think that they are really building something with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They have got a solid defense, which is something I can't say for the 49ers. I think that's really the biggest difference maker is that Dallas's defense is better than San Francisco. I don't think San Francisco is going to be able to slow down Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, they, you know, listen, they're not as amazing. They're not going to go down the field every single drive, but San Francisco is not going to stop them from getting far enough down the field and putting enough points on the board that they're not going to win the game. San Francisco, I think, is going to have trouble actually getting down the field. I think that the Cowboys are going to be bottling up Carlos Hyde, and they're really going to force Blaine Gabbert to throw it. And that equals yeah, a Gabbert's awful. Yeah, that awful. equals a loss for the Niners, in my opinion. So I'm also picking the Cowboys. Uh, that was easy. Two more games: the night game, Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. Shaka, who you got? Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough this one. This is in Kansas City. This is in Pittsburgh. This is in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh really, really, really needs this one. And, you know, I, 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 for Roethlisberger, I figure he can say, you know what, I can't do any worse than I did last week. Not scoring any points, not putting anything on the board. They're playing a much tougher, well, I would have said a much tougher defense last week until I saw the Eagles just go in there and absolutely dominate. Mm-hmm. So they're playing another physical, another physical dominating, and they got Marcus Peters on the, on the, uh, the Chiefs, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the league. Mm-hmm. I think... I think the Steelers can get back on track in this one. This is going to be a low-scoring one, but I think the Steelers win this one at home close. D'Angelo Williams is going to be a big part of this, so they love to bring him in and wear the, run the clock down. And now, now, wait a minute. D'Angelo Williams over Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell should be oh, back. Oh, you're right. Le'Veon Bell is back. You know what? That's funny. I, I, I wish I wish we'd get this announcement during the week that says Le'Veon Bell is not the starter, but that's probably not going to be the case. No. I still say I still say the Steelers pull this one out. I'd say they just bring in Le'Veon Bell, and I think you can expect to see Williams in the mix just to kind of to give him a fresh uh, look and just to really wear down the defense because that's the only way you can really get the Chiefs off the field. You got to wear down the defense, and then you throw it on them. I completely. I still say Steelers at home. I completely agree. I think D'Angelo Williams is definitely going to be in the mix at least to some degree, just to keep him fresh. And to keep Le'Veon Bell fresh, he's had way too many injuries. And, uh, you know, it's like, listen, uh, D'Angelo Williams has earned too much of a spot to just be sitting on the bench full-time. But I am complete agreement. I'm picking the Steelers. I think this is a seriously tight matchup. Two good teams that are going to smash each other in the mouth hard. Um, You know, Marcus Peters, you said it, this defense for the Chiefs after putting on a show against the Jets is going to be tenacious. But in Pittsburgh... That's a tough place to play Ben Roethlisberger. I'm leaning towards the Steelers pulling out this game, but I agree. I think it's going to be pretty close. Last game. Should be very interesting. Last game on the docket. Monday Night Football. New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Who you got, Shaka? 
wow. Uh, you know, Eli, this is not a good time to lose a game. They lose a division matchup with uh, the Redskins, and now they're going into Minnesota to face off against, right now, looking like the best defense, if not the best, one of the top two defenses in the NFL. It's tough. It's very tough, tough. Eli. It's very tough. The, for the Giants to win this one, Eli won had to not make any damn mistakes. None. Win the football. He's got to be perfect. Like a, like a clown, like a jackass that he has been. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell I'm from New York. I'm not even a, I'm not even a Giants fan and I'm getting upset. <laughs> so just put it like that. Eli can't have any mistakes. They want to go in there and pull this one out. That being said, running back situation for the Giants is kind of shady. The Vikings play smash-mouth football on defense. They're not going to take any shit. And all Sam Bradford has to do is manage the game. Get the football with Rudolph Stig and get into the red zone. Make sure you get Stephen, Stephen Diggs in the mix, which I think they will do. This is going to be a close one, but i got to go Vikings at home. I have to. It's okay, man. I don't man. want to, but I have to. Dude, it's okay. It's it's hard to go against the Vikings. I agree with you. I'm picking the Vikings at home. I've seen Eli Manning throw four interceptions against the Minnesota Vikings in the past. This happened years ago, but it was the Vikings, and it was Eli Manning throwing terrible interceptions. Now you've got an even better Vikings team with an even nastier defense, and you nailed it, man. If not the best, one of the top two defenses in the league right up there with the Denver Broncos this is Eli in foreign territory in this brand new Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, this huge billion dollar arena. You know, I think Eli is going to be able to air it out, but that defense is going to be suffocating and he's going to have a lot of trouble finding any room to do anything. I'm picking the Vikings. That's, that might be actually the best game of the week to watch, just to see if the Giants can persevere. I don't think it's going to happen, though. No, I think you're right. I think that probably that's going to be a hell of a Monday night football matchup. That'll be a lot of lot of fun to watch. A fair amount of defense, though. You're not going to see the same explosive scoring like you had uh, last night with the Saints and the Falcons. I think more defense no. in that game. It's going to be a fun week, brother. Shaka, it's going to be an awesome week. Thanks for joining, breaking down week three and going over the picks for for week four. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to do my spiel here before we sign off. That's about all we have for the podcast for today. Again, everyone, thank you for listening to the Fantasy Buddha and Shaka talk some fantasy football, break down all the games from week three, make our predictions for week four. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk about week four, break down all the week four games, talk about week five, give you some impressions and some thoughts and some ideas on who we think are some good waiver wire pickups. Um, as always, you can download my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I'm sure you probably probably already know that since you're listening to it now. Um, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Like my Instagram page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter, Sam Rosenberg, or my Twitter handle is at SmithFaceJones. You can also email me with any questions that you want to have Shaka and I address on the podcast at samsportstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy. I want to hear your thoughts. If you like what we're saying, tell us. If you've got questions, tell us. If you disagree with us, tell us. We want to hear it. Everybody should be ready for this week four coming up. Shaka, you're the man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, guys. And thank you guys out there for listening. Yes, thank you very much for listening. It's Without you listening out there, it's me and Shaka just talking some football, but it's so much more fun when there's everybody else in the room with us. Appreciate it. All right, guys, until next week, we will see you. Um, enjoy your week of football, and uh, take it easy.
Good luck, guys.